got the uh, backup recording going to just in case. Okay. I haven't had that issue since I switched over to this one, but Drew, you know Lightning. Our track record. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the last time you were on we, we lost it. And we had great conversations about yeah, Persona. I don't, I don't yeah, yeah. We had some that was a good talk. We inter- we talked about some interesting stuff that one, so that was a shame. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, we're we're doing another intermission here. I got uh Jay Lee with me. Hey everybody. And uh yeah. So we're just gonna shoot the shit for a little while. I haven't talked to Jay in a while. Um I think the last time we talked was actually playing Heroes of the Storm. Was it? Uh when was the intermission that didn't go up? Oh god, that was a year ago at least. That was a year ago, huh? Oh yeah. It's crazy, it doesn't feel like a year ago, man. Trust me, man, it's it's going by really fast. I'll be thirty uh Saturday. Yeah? Oh, you're uh, you're an October birthday guy too, huh? Yeah. Uh, you and I. Sh- uh, let's see. Saturday will be what? That's the twenty fourth. Twenty fourth. My birthday is on the twenty seventh. There you go. Nice. I am. Uh, I'm a week away from Halloween. Good stuff. You got anything special planned for your birthday? I got my buddies coming over tomorrow, and we're gonna finally record the first session of Thunder in a Paradise. That's the D and D thing. That is the D and D. Uh, podcast game that we're doing. Cool. I'm definitely excited to uh, listen to that one. I have some really good ideas for this. Oh, are you the GM? or I, just, I am. You are? Oh, are you, you got any experience being the GM? I have. Uh, the, mm. the group that I'm with has played D&D with me before. Um, I originally started as a player, but then everybody was like, Drew's really good at telling stories, so why don't we have him do, do the, the dungeon mastering? So I uh, I started being the dungeon master for the last couple of games that we did. Um, I get because I have so much time at work, mm-hmm. I can just write down stuff. I have like I've been working on this campaign that we're going to be doing for like three months. Well, you know me, like I've always kind of been interested in D and D, but I never even played a game. Like uh, when I used to dorm back in uh, New York. I had uh, I had some friends that used to do their D and D thing, but I was always doing something else, or I couldn't devote the uh, the time for it. So, why don't you tell me, like, what's the process? Like, as a GM, like, what do you got to do? What do you got to prepare? Well, the GM, uh, the the good dungeon masters or GM is game master for anybody who doesn't know. Um, they they are there to tell the story. They're not there to tell their story. They're there to tell their player's story. So it's a lot of – it depends on the, the, the DM and stuff like that. But, I mean, I, I like to play off my players. So I tell my players, have fucking secrets that nobody else knows, you know, and and bring them into it, you know, and let me play off of it. So, like, there's there may be a, a, one of my characters who, you know, he, he he's trying to avenge his father, right? And he doesn't know who killed his father, but he's looking for him. So then I introduce the guy who killed his father. And in small stuff like that, I mean, I, I try to be descriptive as possible when, it, when I'm describing an area and the different options. You know, like it, I have scenarios set up to the point where if they decide not to go with this, I have mm-hmm. a backup scenario. So because you guys chose not to do this, this happened. Um, and you, you kind of have to play on the fly a little bit when people are playing because the guys I play with who I've known for years and years, I mean, I live with like two of them. They can go off the handle and you know, <laughs> just like, Oh wow, I'm going to punch this guy in the face. Well, this is a major NPC that you really don't want to piss off. Well, I'm going to punch him in the face anyway. Okay. 
and you know I have to go go with that. Um, so it, it can be derailed at any moment. Um, but See, have, that's the, that's the thing. Like if I were playing a D and D game, I'd always be challenging the confines of the story because if you think about it, it, it feels almost like limitless as far as what you can do in a lot of cases. It most certainly is. And that's that's the problem. Like, how do you deal with it? Let's say there's a scenario, right? Mm-hmm. It's the very beginning of the campaign and you're tasked by the king. You have an audience with the king to uh, do a mission. That is the, the beginning of your quest and that, that's how your band got together. But in that very beginning, one of your guy who has who is like chaotic evil decides that he wants to assassinate the king right there on the spot. Mm-hmm. And what do you do at that point? Like you, your your whole mission structure just got changed dynamically. That's true and I have to there's some give and take with your players and the, and mm-hmm. the DM. Uh you, you know, I tried I, I told my guys you can role play whatever you want to. If you want to be an evil character, you can just don't fuck with the rest of the party kind of thing. And that that's the biggest thing for me because Alan, my, my old roommate, who's in two of the episodes that we released already uh, making characters, he's one of those guys who likes to, to screw with pr- practically everything I come up with. Um, and he, he, you know, I was like, if you want to be bad, do it, be, be more, not chaotic evil. I mean, yeah, totally. I mean, I, I feel like I'm, I'm limiting my players when I say don't play chaotic evil. But playing chaotic evil does not make sense that you're even partying up with these guys. That's true. You know, and that that's the thing. is like most of the guys that, that I'm playing, I've already checked with most of them. They're they're not good. They may be neutral or they may be good. I, I, I can't really tell you for certain because I'm telling them to, to kind of keep it a secret. You know, have, have things close to your, your chest. Don't don't tell everybody everything unless you want to, and it's it's one of those things where the players we have to have some type of rules, some type of guidelines to go by, you know. And as far as whatever they want to do in the game, I'll let them do it as long as it sticks to those very small rules of don't ruin the game for everybody else, you know. So if I were to tell you that I want to play as a bear who masquerades as being a human being with a with a very high what 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 would you need marks for in order to like kind of disguise the fact that you're a bear to everybody what would be the thing that you need well it really depends if you if you you're trying to just if you're putting on a costume and trying to act like a human uh-huh probably be high charisma okay. um if you maybe use a magic spell to make yourself look like a human you probably need high intelligence um, and it, it, you know, it all depends on how you pretend to be a human. So that would like totally fly. And then as long as he never told you that he was actually a bear masquerading as a human, no one else in the party would be privy to that because they wouldn't really have the perception role. They wouldn't even be claiming a perception role in that regard. Right. That's true. But in some instances, I, as the DM, could uh-huh. could have like, oh, you got hit by something. You got hit during an attack, and it may have knocked your mask off, or it may have, uh-huh. may have done something like that. You know, and I have to have rolls for that kind of thing. You know, like you, you want to keep your mask on, you may need to put a dexterity roll back on to quickly <laughs> put it back on. Stuff like that. I mean, that that totally works. And, I mean, that's the thing. Like, So my campaign that we're doing right now, we have four players currently. Yeah. We have a halfling rogue. Um, who may be a little shady, maybe a thief. 
Um, we have a uh, Dragonborn Rogue, which is that's the weirdest combination I have seen in a while. Um, Dragonborn, kind of like the Skyrim stuff. Not the Skyrim kind. Dragonborn are basically like humanoid dragons. Oh, so think okay. about a six foot tall dragon lizard man that stands on its hind legs. So this guy is a rogue who is supposed to be stealthy and sneaking around, but he's a six-foot dragon. That seems a little bit of an odd match. I told him, but he said he wanted to go crazy with it. But he does have decent dexterity, which means he can save some of those rolls. Um, then we also have a half-orc barbarian, uh, who is basically going to be their tank. Um, and then there's also, and the, the most colorful... Uh, one of the bunch is Alan, who is playing a human luchador. Luchador is an official class in the GM book? It is not an official class. It is from a D&D wiki homebrew <laughs> that he found. Okay. And I was like, all right, fine. You can you can be a luchador. Does he does he speak like a, like a Mexican person all the time? Alan said he is going to do a voice. I'm going to like Alan. Alan is possibly going to be the most offensive person in this entire game. It's fine. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You got to have that one guy, though, you know? And here's another thing you may recognize. He is a human luchador um, who is all about being the king of the ring. He is also an aspiring chef. (laughs) He is playing El Fuerte. Yes. It's good stuff. Yeah. So we got that as our merry band of heroes, but I have this whole world set up. I mean, I've got a, I even wrote out a map and everything, but um, I got this world set up. So we've played D and D campaigns before, right? And I've hinted at this with my players to kind of get them hooked a little bit because it's hard to get these assholes to actually get together once a month to actually play. And so I was like, I've got really great ideas, guys, and they're like, Okay, well, what do you got? So in our old campaigns that we used to do. We started a band of heroes who became a company called the Fallcrest Falcons. That was the name of the company. Hmm. And they were basically a band of heroes and mercenaries who would go into towns, ask if anybody needed any help. They would, you know, uh, drive off a plague or they would, you know, fight off a band of goblins, stuff like that. And they became well known in the town of Fallcrest. That was their home base. And. What ended up happening was they became so big, they started to expand, open up new chapters in different different towns and different locations. Uh, and we, from that campaign, spawned a new campaign, which was the second generation of Falkrest Falcons. So we had uh, Chris, who played, his character's name was Zordon, <laughs> because he liked Power Rangers. Yeah. Um, and he his new character was Zordon Jr. It was his son. And okay. so we have all these different characters who are like either a Taxus's brother, um, which was Alan's old character, which now is a new character. And so we started a new generation, and then we started a second chapter of the Falkrest Falcons. We played as them, and we, we've done practically every campaign we've done was some form of Falkrest Falcons. V- genuinely good hero guys who work for this company, who is basically like a superhero company almost. Well, the new campaign takes place around 300 years after the, our last campaign. So after the second generation of Falkrest Falcons, this takes place 300 years later. 
And they're like, well, are we Falkrest Falcons? I'm like, no, you guys are not Falkrest Falcons. And they're like, well, do they exist in this world? I'm like, they absolutely exist in this world. And they're like, well, okay, are we going to run into them? I was like, maybe. <laughs> um, I, don't, I hope they don't listen to this because I really don't want to spoil it. The Falkrest Falcons have turned evil. Oh, damn. They're going to be fighting their dis- the descendants of their old characters. I like it, Drew. And I I'm, like it a lot. And I can't wait to introduce that. <laughs> because some of them were elves, and elves live long lives. I'm like, you guys may That's even true. run into your old characters. Oh, man. So I'm, I'm really excited to jump into that. And I know that once I start introducing that stuff, they will fucking love it. You know, and that's the thing. It's been so hard trying to get them together. I mean, every, I granted everybody has lives and stuff like that. And, you know, it, it, Joel's even married and got a kid and it's hard for him to even play. But, you know, trying to get them involved and trying to get them motivated to actually play, I think I'm doing a pretty decent job just showing them what's in store for them. And I've got a lot of this thought out. I've got at least our, our first three play sessions planned out completely. So, you know, the first one's going to be all about introductions and, and they're all, they're all just kind of com- converging in. Like they come from all parts of the world uh, and, uh, they've all come to this festival that's taking place. Very popular festival. About 40,000 people come to this festival every year and some people are there for their own reasons. You know, I know Alan's there because there's a big wrestling match and there's a title on the line and he's going there to win the title and, so I, I, you know, I'm I'm having them all come there, and then a big event is going to happen there. Of course, everybody, a couple of people were like, "Oh, is it the Millennium Festival? Or are we going to go in time?" And so I'm like, "No, you're not going to go through time." Because it, what ended up happening was I was going to originally put in music, background music, while we're playing. Okay. And I was going to use video game music, and I was like, "Well, I need festival music." Well, the first thing that came up was fucking the Millennium Festival from Chrono Trigger. And everybody's like, the Millennium Festival, are we doing the Millennium? I'm like, no, God, you're not time traveling. Stop it with the time travel. <laughs> but if you I'll, want to really annoy them, you could play the uh, the saucer music from Final Fantasy VII. Oh, God. That'll get them motivated. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the uh, But, yeah, like that was part of it. Uh, I mean, I got really creative with some of the campaigns. Like I, I incorporated Magic the Gathering into one of our campaigns, our old campaigns. Like I had a Planeswalker actually show up on their realm. And he needed to find a way to get out of their 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 uh, plane, but he couldn't. He ran out of magic, ran out of mana. So they had to travel to a mountain and a swamp and an island and a forest and a plane, and he had to pull the magic out of it. And like each session was them trying to do that. Um, yeah, I've done I've done a lot of stuff. We even fought a we fought a vampire one time, a Dracula. We fought Dracula basically. Sounds pretty exciting, Drew. I'm, I'm really looking. F- uh, when uh, when are you going to record this first session? Uh, it's tomorrow. Tomorrow, well, and when's it going up? I don't know yet. Um, that's between when I can. I'm not really editing it, but when I can put the music in, it, it, I can have it done tomorrow night. But when Ken puts it up, basically, I'm okay. going to send it to Ken, and he'll he'll put it up and everything. Nice man. I'm really looking forward to that. That sounds good. I, I really like your hook. With them uh, encountering their descendants, that sounds really good. Because if you think about it, that is some of the best parts about those games that allows you to transfer over your save data. Yeah. Because you get to like that part in Dragon Age Three when you get to meet Hawk and stuff. You know, your own guy. Those are kind of like the highlight moments. And incorporating that into a D and D campaign is a very good idea. I like yeah. it. 
Yeah, I've been uh, I've been working my ass off on that. So hopefully Alan doesn't derail it too bad. <laughs> well, if he does, uh, hopefully it'll be very entertaining to play and uh, listen to, right? Oh yeah, I hope so. That's the thing. Okay. So, the first two episodes that we have up now on the site is is basically just us making characters. And us bullshitting. I mean, we, we're sitting there eating Taco Bell, and Alan <laughs> Alan even farts on the podcast, and everybody's like, Jesus Christ, what's wrong with you? So, yeah, he's sounds, one of those guys. Sounds good, man. So, uh, as far as the actual games go, like, what, are, what have you been playing? Well, I played through and finished The Evil Within. <laughs> oh, dude, I, I watched you play the last, like, five, ten minutes of that game on stream. Yeah. I can't believe you failed the rocket launcher segment. I, I failed the rocket launcher segment. But I've never, I, I didn't know it was possible to fail it. That, that's, I've never seen anyone fail it before. That's the thing is that, and and I even I spelled it out while I, while it was going on, and that's one of the big issues I have with this game. We can save it for next week, but one of the biggest issues is that there is so many small intricacies about this game that you have to work around, like in that rocket launcher sequence, mm-hmm. like when you shoot the guy. And he he kind of stumbles over, and then you shoot him in the head. That does the the big damage to him. Right after that, you have to wait, okay? And you have to wait till he gets in that animation of getting back up because when he when he's in that animation, he's basically invulnerable. So I can't hit him, and I didn't know that. I ran out of rockets. <laughs> well, those kind of in like invulnerability frames for bosses is nothing new though. But you didn't know that unless. That's the thing. It's like, and, and my issue with the Evil Within is that it is a trial and error game, and it doesn't really need to be. There's been so many times in that game where I would do something, fail, go through multiple loading screens, and then do it again, make it a little bit farther. Especially like I'm memorizing a Mega Man level, and I was like, really? I mean, there, there's nothing dynamic really about this game. It's like, this is the way you have to do it, and you're going to fuck up, and you're going to have to start over. And I was, I don't know. It, the, like, it feels like I was a little bit more frustrated with that game than I enjoyed it. Now, I liked the, what it did. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. I, you got mixed feelings about it. I, right? I do have mixed feelings about it. If okay. I were to review this game, I would probably give it maybe a six. Wow, really? Yeah. That's harsh. No, that's not really harsh. That's decent for our site. Eh, that's true, but I don't know. I enjoyed it when I played it. I Obviously, the game has some flaws here and there, but I, as far as like the cohesiveness of the game, um, like this way you move around in each area, I like the use of impossible space and a lot of the things. Where you know they they miss they mess with your perception of the level design and all these different things and there's a lot of freedom in the way you can handle bad guys with the the variety of weapons you have. Yeah, I that's love true. the crossbow first of all. That yeah. crossbow is amazing. Once you start upgrading it using the different bolts, the things you can do, man. You should watch like a speed run of Evil Within and see how they use those cross bolts in really creative ways to make some of those encounters that took you and I maybe like 10, 15 minutes. To end in something like twenty thirty seconds, it's crazy. Yeah, they get they get real clever. But yeah, I know what you mean. There uh, there was some like old timey game design things there too, like some obtuse things about very being very specific in some ways. But I, I enjoyed it when I played it. Yeah, uh, I'll probably pick it up when it goes on like five bucks digital or something. Well, I have it forever because I got it digitally. So nothing is forever, Drew. <laughs> nothing that's, is forever. That's very true. So far, Steam hasn't let me down. Yeah, that's true. 
that's true, but nothing is infallible, unfortunately. But we'll see how that goes. I don't, see, that's the problem with like physical against uh, digital release. It's like people put uh, physical releases on like a platform because of the thing that you get, thinking that you can have it forever. And then digital people say like, "Well, your physical disc can get lost and stuff." Well, the digital things can also get lost. You can get banned like wrongfully from Steam or something, lose your account, entire account, and digital rights to this and that that get erased from the shop, so you no longer you no longer can download it. Everything has its loopholes, and people just don't see us for some reason. I don't yeah, know. I know it was weird because like whenever the PS4 was originally like first coming out. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm totally going to go digital, all digital. Mm-hmm. That's not the case at all. No. <laughs> I mean, there's there's the games that I will go digital is if a they're cheap and yep. I pick them up. Like even within, I got it for thirty bucks like two months after it came out. I was like, yeah, I'll do that because I kind of wanted to play it. I mean, it's a Shinji Mikami game, of course yeah. I'll play it eventually. Um, and then Metal Gear, I went all digital. Uh, Metal Gear Five. Yeah. How big is that download? Like thirty gigs it's, or something. It's thirty. It's 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 in the thirties, I think. Jeez, how uh, how much was that when you bought it for digital? Oh, full price. Oh, you just bought it new, eh? Yeah, I mean, that, I pre I preloaded it and everything. Oh. well, actually, wait. You guys finished the whole Metal Gear Solid stuff in your uh, Phoenix down, right? We did not. We have not finished Metal Gear Five yet. We have not talked about that. Okay. But um yeah because Matt has not finished it he it, like when 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 the game came out the week the next week after that Matt had to go to England and he's been on business trips and stuff constantly and that's one of the reasons why I'm, you know we're having such a hard time uh, but I like Matt was like well we'll just go ahead and talk about it. I was like hell no dude this is we've been this is the year of the gear all right we we've been doing nothing but Metal Gear this year we're going to fucking finish this together um which I have some. I have some choice words for that game. We we all have very choice words for that game, Drew. Yeah. We all do. I'll, I'll put it this way. This is the best playing Metal Gear. This is the weakest Metal Gear game. Ken, Ken said the exact same thing in different words, uh, and I agree with both of you. Yeah. It's, oh, man. It's sad, man. I, it like, that, it makes a, me sad. That's a bad note to leave out on. It really is, isn't it? You see, you see the vision that's there. It's right in front of you, but it'll never be complete now. Yeah, I don't know. It's, but yeah, I don't. Yeah, one of my favorite franchise. It still is one of my favorite franchises. I mean, Metal Gear Solid is forever be one of my favorite games of all time. It is my favorite game of all time. But you know, it's, I don't know. I even thinking about. It, I know Ken. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll join you for that one. I was like, okay. Is it because I got a lot to talk about? I'm like, yeah, we all do. Yeah, we all do. But uh, like that aside, did you watch that um that missing mission YouTube thing? I did. That comes with a special edition. Okay. Yeah. That why that's out of the out of the game is a fucking travesty. I know, right? Why the hell did you leave that out of the game? That was like forty percent complete. Yeah. <laughs> At least. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think there was a lot more going on at Konami than what everybody knows. I mean, I think Konami was like, dude, you've taken far too fucking long with this game and used way too much of our money, and we don't really care about video games. Eh, Probably something along that line. I'm sure it it has mostly to do with budget and time, but I don't know. I felt like... I feel like Kuna, uh, Kojima has earned the right to just take however long he feels like 
to make uh, make his final Metal Gear game of all time. But I mean, Konami wasn't really doing that well financially. Yeah. Around that time, so that might be one of the reasons. And you know, there's so much false news and random ass things popping up about Konami all the time nowadays. Ever since this, not even this, like this was around the time where the whole PT thing was beginning too. So yeah, it's just it's just real bad for Konami, which sucks, man. Because Konami used to be like one Dude, of the best. They were the, the kings. Best. They were fucking the NES and the Super NES, and even into the PlayStation days. You kidding me? The fucking Castlevania, Metal Gears. And there were all sorts of other good Koja, uh, uh, what was it, Konami games too. Um, Contra. <laughs> oh, Contra. And then there was like I think there was a Konami RPG series that I really liked, but I don't remember the name of it. Hmm. Oh, fucking Suikoden. Suikoden. I love Suikoden. Yeah. No. Suikoden three is one of my favorite games of all time. Two is two is like amazing, but I think three gets the shaft as far as being underrated by a lot of people. That thing did a lot of things in some really fascinating ways. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with them. Uh, you know, I mean, we don't appreciate pachinko machines like they do in Japan. Maybe that's our problem. <laughs> that, that may be the problem. I don't know. I've heard there's some shady stuff that goes on with pachinko machines. Well, you know, it's, it is gambling, right? Gambling is always shady one way or another. Uh, that's true. And you know, uh, Konami actually made uh, the first plastic guitar games that became popular, too. The Guitar Freak series. Uh-huh. That was before Guitar Hero and obviously Rock Band, and that was in arcades. And that was when I was really starting my love for rhythm games in general. When I first picked up that stupid plastic guitar for Guitar Freaks, and I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> and it was the most basic of all guitar games ever, but it was the first one of its kind that I've ever played, and it was really good. And then there's the Dance Dance Revolution, which I never really got big into. You play those games at all? I've played Dance Dance Revolution. I never got into them. I'm not that good with my feet. <laughs> I've seen some people, though. I've seen some people who can fucking dance the night away on those it's, things. It's crazy. All shapes and sizes can dance the night away on Dance Dance Revolution, which is surprising. <laughs> yes. I've seen, I've seen those videos. They, <laughs> their feet move. Like, they can river dance any... Any time of day, man, they they're nuts. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, but like did, uh... when I look at the list of games that are coming out from Konami, right? I'm at the wiki right now. Yeah. And then it it starts back in something like 1978 when they used to do arcade games. Yeah. And every year they've had like eight, nine, ten, fifteen, twenty. In like the 1999s to 2000, like during the 2000s, they've had basically. Like five, six games at least coming out every year. And then after that, it comes down to this year's like two games, yep. three games. And it just keeps going down like every year. It just goes. Is, is, is the game industry dying, Drew? Is, should we be scared? I don't think the game industry is dying. I just think Konami's dying. Okay. Because I think game industry is pretty much booming. I mean, this, this, this fall season has been pretty good. Oh, this year in general has been one of the best years in gaming, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, I, I cannot wait for Fallout 4. Oh, man. Like, that's coming out in November, right? Yeah, that's November 10th, I believe. Let me let me run you through the gambit of games that I want to play through, and I own right now that I want to play through. 
uh, Tales of Zestiria. I'm, I'm going to review that later, but I'm also playing Super B Sonic, which is a cool rhythm game made by the people that did uh, DJ Max games. Okay. Um, I'm playing through Stella Glow, which um, I'm not sure if you ever played the, the DS games like Luminous Arc, I think it's called, the Lumen something Arc series. I think mm-hmm. there's like two or three games in the series. It's like a it's like a cutesy like strategy RPG games with like social link elements to it, kind of. Okay. So those games are fun. I'm also playing that. Life is Strange just finished. Fucking amazing. Oh yeah, I, you just told me that it's one of your games of the year. And, Absolutely. Uh, like you're not the only person that's told me that, Drew. That's that really got my attention, so I picked that up. I also picked up the Tales of the Borderlands, which is another episodic adventure that I'm ended re- in basically the same week as well. Yeah, I'm reviewing that one. Oh, oh yeah, you got the you got all. Wait, were you reviewing all episodes? No, or? I they just gave us all five today, and I'm I I haven't started it yet. Oh, okay, I played through the first three episodes of that. It's fun. I like it. Uh, I'm not sure how much like the, don't think about it as a border, Borderlands game as far as just the humor goes, mm-hmm. and you'll have a good time. This is well made. And that's just games from October. I'm not even like there's like the Yoshi's Woolly World. Yeah. Uh, there's a Dragon Quest Heroes. I, I really want to play that game. I really want to play that too. They say it's like the best Musho game ever. Yeah, that's what Ken that said. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's, that's just October, Drew. That's October. Yeah. And I'm not even done with that list. So it's just like, how do I... I got to fake my own death and then go into like a cave with electricity with generators and everything <laughs> and then maybe take like a couple months and then I'll be caught up. But other than that, uh, I'm gonna have to skip some of these games, and I really don't want to. Yeah, I mean, I've got Halo Five. I'm actually really excited for Halo Five next week. Uh, was it Ken's reviewing that, right? Ken is reviewing that. Um, uh, I think, yeah, the multiplayer just went live today for reviewers. Nice, from what I understand. Um, and um, hey, I haven't, I don't know, but Ken says he's really excited to play the co-op with me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I we're gonna do the old school heroic. Four player co op. Not, not legendary, eh? You know, I've, <laughs> I've done legendary. I've done legendary on Halo 3, and that was a nightmare. It is. It becomes less strategy and more just bad luck killing you all the time at that point. So yeah. I agree with you. Uh, you know, the thing about for me is the Halo is that I consider Halo 1 one of like my favorite games mm-hmm. uh, because it was the game that really brought the co op couch play to the console generations like there's other games that did it but from from like a first person shooter uh, perspective no other game did it better than halo at the time and it kind of like popularized it popularized the the idea of it now that you don't really see too much co-op uh, couch co- uh, couch anymore but i had such a good time with that game even though i mean you know it hasn't aged well obviously but at the time it was really good i played halo 2 and i was like and, you know Halo Two. You know, everyone knows the story about Halo Two. I've never played Halo Two. It's not. It's not great. It's, it's got some. It's got some cool stuff, and the multiplayer was neat, but it's not great. Yeah, uh, I heard they pulled a uh, Metal Gear Solid Two on that one and pissed a lot of people off. They kind of did, but they didn't have any of the charm and charisma of Kojima to actually pull it off right. So. Yeah. No, no good on that one. Uh, but, uh, Halo 3 came along and I was like, oh, okay, you know, Halo's still cool. I like it. You know, there was, was ODST before Halo 3? No, it was Halo 3, then ODST, then 4, no, then Reach, then 4. Okay. So I played up to Reach as far as all the Halo games go. Uh-huh. 
And with each game that I played, I kind of like it a little bit less and a little bit less. Mm. I liked ODST to some degree because I thought the co-op was fun. And Reach was like, eh, it's okay, I guess. But when I started playing Halo 4, I was like, you know, the armor and everything. Oh, I got the grenade. Uh, these guys have these plasma shield armor. I'm doing the thing. And then I played the first maybe hour of the campaign, and I just felt deathly bored by the game the overall plot the pacing how the game even plays and i was like wow i just don't like this series anymore i guess uh, i don't know i think um from what ken has told me he uh, says halo 5 plays vastly different from any other halo game in a in a good way in a, in a good way yeah okay yeah i mean you can talk about the first three missions i think i don't i haven't seen any video of it or anything like that i'm kind of on, on a blackout of it i'm just like i'm, I'm really excited I, it kind of revitalized um uh, me and ken played through all of gears of war remastered uh co-op wait was, guys you guys did one two three no 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 just just the, oh, just just the, the, the first, one okay. yeah well because that was only when it was remastered oh yeah yeah right. um but if you buy remaster if you play remastered within a certain time frame they give you backwards compatible gears one two and three and judgment for free That's neat. which is insane you know, they're doing that with Fallout too. You know, uh, just just is it three and New Vegas or? I think it's just three. I'm not certain. That might be a licensing thing. I'm not certain. Well, I mean, it was developed by someone else, in New Vegas, right? So yeah, it was developed by Obsidian. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, it's um, that I mean the, the way Xbox is handling that stuff. Like I know everybody likes to crap on Xbox, but that's a pretty good system. Um and. What they're doing is light years better than what PlayStation is doing. The only reason why PlayStation is doing so well is because it's just popular. I mean, granted, at the same time, I think Xbox has to do this stuff to catch up to PlayStation. Right. But I mean, but, if that's, you, but that's great for consumers, right? Absolutely. I mean, that's yeah. that's what's making it great because I mean, if you look at it, Xbox has got the fucking games this year. You know, they've got Halo, they've got Warcraft, they've got um, you know. I mean, what was it? They, they got the Fable thingy, right? They got the Fable. They got Forza. They got fucking. I mean, even Gears of War. I know it's a remaster, but I mean, it's. I, I had a. I had fun playing that co-op again. I mean, I was a Gears fanatic on the 360. I right. I, I played Gears of War one every single day. That was when I had the time to do it. And, you know, it was it was it was great, you know, and and going back to it, I was like, yes, I'm back in this world. <laughs> it didn't uh, it didn't feel like it aged too poorly for you. Not for me. I know a lot of okay. people didn't like it too much. I mean, it was it was weird. It was like, oh, it feels like a, you know, it feels like an older game. It, you know, some of the mechanics are kind of you know archaic at this point. But I I don't know. I felt right back. It was like I'm putting on a glove. Felt right. Just felt right. And um, I I really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, and then me and Ken plan on when they release the backwards compatible ones, we're going to play through Gears 2 and 3 together. The uh, backwards compatible ones aren't out yet? Not yet. No. Oh, okay. Uh, you, you, they, they, they're tracking people who play the game, and then when the, when they release the, the first batch of backwards compatible games, it's going to be on there, and you'll just automatically have them. Hmm. See, the thing about the Xbox One is that, like, it's not just because the PS4 is more popular, which it certainly is, because obviously, like, like you know, we we all, we're all in that moment when in that E3 where Xbox literally almost tried to kill itself. Yeah. 
and it recovered miraculously. And the fact that it's even doing this well uh, is is just like a testament to how well they've been doing from the consumer aspect. Uh, but at the same time, the PS4 is still, from a hardware standpoint, a more powerful machine. You still get that 720, 900p comparison, the frame rates, and blah, blah, blah. And most of the time, a lot of consumers, it seems, go for the console that goes that has the better version of the game, right? That's yeah. why I also own a 360, so that I could play those games that, uh, like Bayonetta, like 360. Like, if you play the PS3 one, you're an idiot. Like why even play the game? Like that's that's not that's not that's not a good way to go. I, did you play the Did you play the PS3 version of Bayonetta? I saw the PlayStation 3 version of Bayonetta, and like the fact that it loads whenever you pause the game, I was like, you're out yeah. of your mind. Yeah, there's a lot of things like that between the between the console, and I think between the Xbox One and PS4, obviously it's not as not as much notice. Uh, it's not as noticeable. Uh, compared to the the gap between PS3 and 360, and how poorly some of those port jobs were done on the PS3. Yeah, but it is more powerful, and people do care about that. And now that the PS3, I mean PS4, has that price drop to uh, what is it, 350 now? Yep, 350. So Xbox One definitely it's gonna have to do another price cut themselves. Like you know, they did the whole like, oh, it's a time press price cut, but it actually ended up being the official price, right? Yeah. So we'll we'll see where they take it. But for me personally, the reason why I don't own an Xbox One is that there's there aren't enough games for me to that like justify the purchase by itself. I kind of want to play Tomb Raider, but I know a better version of that game is going to be played on my PC later down the line, and like that's not even that far, like a couple months afterwards. Uh, there's no like good RPG games for you know I me. Mean? I'm like the RPG fiend. And the reason why the 360, one of the reasons it is that like I wa- I needed to play Lost Odyssey. I wanted to play games like Blue Dragon and all those uh, like Tales of Vesperia that weren't coming to the PS3. But they don't have that. They don't have that in this generation. Uh, I think Scalebound will be a good one. Yes, that's not an RPG game. The real that's more of an action game. Uh, it looks like an action RPG. Eh, I guess. But like you can also say the same thing about like Demon Souls and Dark Souls. I don't really consider that like RPGs. When I think about RPGs, I think more kind of like the traditional. I'm talking like Final Fantasies, uh, Personas, and turn all that based. jazz. Yeah. Not not just the turn base, but um, there's a there's a fundamental difference in strategy when it comes to action RPGs and just RPGs. Okay. It's yeah. So it's like uh, I see I see a difference, and also a more much more emphasis on storytelling is a big thing for RPGs for me. But they really I wish they they did more on that front, and they basically gave up on the Japanese market at this point because those numbers are laughable. Yeah, sad but laughable. But so well, have we'll, we we'll got have we got a traditional RPG that you're talking about on these new systems yet? The Sky F, the Sky F Five. I yeah. just put 120 hours into. That's true. That's one of them, and uh, you know, Xbox One's not going to get Persona Five either. No, that's not. That's very true. So yeah, that is that is one. Uh, there's like where 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 are the what are the games for the RPG fans? There there's none. There's like, not they, really that many. No. Yeah, and RPGs are kind of like a dying breed because they take so long to make. I guess they'll multi-platform Final Fantasy 15 when that comes up, but the better version is going to be on PS4 again. So it's like, what's the point? But it does have those certain games if you're really into Halo, which I'm not so much anymore, then that's good. I'm not into driving games. So like for my personal taste, it just doesn't fit at all, even though I kind of want it. But at the same time, I list the games out and I'm like, 
I just bought a Wii U not too long ago to play games like Xenoblade Chronicles X, which, you know, obviously another RPG exclusive to that platform. And I just started playing through Fatal Frame 5 today, which is a spectacular game, which I'm enjoying. Um, uh, Wait, aren't you guys doing some kind of... No, wait, no, you guys did... um... You guys did Evil Within for the Halloween. Within. Yeah. yeah. That was, uh, we were going to do Eternal Darkness, mm. but then Matt, he, he, he realized that his, his GameCube and his, or not his GameCube, but his, his, uh, his copy of it is in New York in a storage facility. Those games are expensive now. Yeah, that's, that's why I told him don't waste your money to buy another copy. We'll just, we'll do Eternal Darkness later. Let's see. Eternal Darkness, uh, game for, Thing goes for, I'd say probably about twenty five, thirty, eighty nine dollars with three ninety nine shipping. No way. Used. Uh, let's see. Wait, 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 no. There's there's used ones for like thirty five bucks plus yeah. shipping, but it's like disc only and yeah, not not good condition stuff. The well, the new ones are something like eighty bucks or more. Right. Luckily, I knew the person that I bought it from. Actually, he was on the show once. It's uh, Mackie from uh, No Quarters. Uh, but yeah, I have my copy, but, um, yeah, we did evil then I, you know, it's one of those things we try to do a scary game and, uh, we wanted to do eternal darkness. We've always wanted to, we actually started on the last game club that we did me and, Matt, <laughs> and that was the last game we ever did for that game club because we never finished it. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's a, it's a good way. Good, good idea that you dodged the bullet. Cause you played through most of eternal darkness. You know, that game is long. That game's long as shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And you can get stuck and lost and basically put be put in a situation where you may never be able to beat the game. That's what happened with me. I I I you you picked the wrong magic. I picked the wrong magic. Yeah, I picked magic that refills my magic. You done picked wrong. Why do they even have that in the game? I don't know. But, uh, but it's yeah, weird. that's really dumb. But yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 one of those things. I I I I thought we had everything planned out. I know Matt and I are going to be doing Persona Four at the beginning, <laughs> beginning of next year. Oh God! I mean, you played through that game already, right? Yes, I have. What is compelling you to play through this eighty-hour game again with someone else? Because Matt Matt never finished it. That's uh, going to be a long time, buddy. It, you know, we did Persona Three on the old game club. Um, and it was the longest in our series and multiple people dropped out. Mm -hmm. Um, and Matt was really the only person that finished it. Uh, he got the bad ending, um, or the not real ending. Well, the, the bad ending means you just actually haven't finished the game yet. Technically. (laughs) Yeah. There's like, there's like a good 10 hour more to go after the bad ending. I know, but we were, we were kind of burned out on it, but we've, we've done long games before. Um, okay. and we didn't finish one of them. It's too bad you guys are not doing the golden one that I keep telling you to play. We instead. are. Well, you are. Yeah. Matt has a Vita. No. He has a Vita TV. We both have Vita TVs. Cool. That nice. we're going to be doing. Very nice. Actually, totally worth it. The added content and uh, gameplay changes, the Persona for Golden makes it well worth playing through again. So okay. yeah, good stuff. Good there stuff. you go. That's what we're planning on doing. So, but I want to do The Witcher 2 first, and I just don't know when we're going to do that. Um, I don't think November's going to be a good time to do it, because Matt's also doing the NaNoWriMo. 
What's that? That is the a National Writing Novel Writing Month. NaNoWriMo. Yeah. National Write National Novel Writing Month, which is uh, I participated in one year. Um, it's basically where uh, for the month of November you write something, a novel or something like that, or try to at least. And it gives you goals each week to have so many words and stuff like that. And Matt's Matt's pretty big into writing and stuff like that. Cool. And uh, he's done it every year. And uh, he's he's actually doing it along with doing a podcast associated with it. Yeah. Uh, talking about his 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 stuff. And um, he's he's doing that. And I'm just like, do you want to? Like, I just texted him the other day, and I was like, do you want to do The Witcher two, or are you going to be busy? He's like, yeah, we need to talk about that. And we kind of left it at that. So I don't think we're going to be doing The Witcher 2. <laughs> yeah, and plus you'll, you'll probably be busy playing Fallout in November as well, alongside all the review games that we got to cover. So Exactly. It's, it's going to be tough, November. Yeah. You know, this, December is pretty... Like, compared to November and October, December is a good time. That's a lull there. That's yeah, lull. There's, there's a few games come out. I don't think I'm reviewing any of them, though. Yeah, so that might be the time to do it. The next... the. The two big games I'll be reviewing is Fallout 4 and Need for Speed. When's the new Need for Speed coming out? It's the week before Fallout. Ah, well, it's a driving game, so it won't take long, hopefully. Hopefully not. But the thing about those driving games nowadays is that the the online connection is such an integral part of the ga- uh, gameplay experience. So, remember Drive Club? Oh, Everybody? yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> I distinctly remember it. <laughs> yeah, so we'll we'll see we'll see how that goes because man, these a lot of these games with these whole online always online components, they just they just screw that shit up constantly. I don't know why they do that now. That's so weird that they do that. I mean, just give me a driving game that's not always online. I mean, I know the Forza series doesn't. I'm pretty sure Gran Turismo whenever it comes out will do it, but I'll tell you why, and it's quite simple. A lot of times the uh, the development teams don't even want to do it. They want to cater more towards the experience of the the singular driving thing, like an all encompass all encompassing like driving experience, and they want to really kind of uh, deliver on that front. But when it comes to a sell sellability of a game, you need elastability and replayability and all that thing in between. And a big bullet point that the suits the big wigs love is online components, because not only is that big for replayability and lastability. It also makes us that it's less likely to be resold later, right? So that you know, used copies don't go in the wild. And secondly, it also is easier for them to push their microtransactions on their on your face every couple of seconds. Yeah. It's, it makes that easier for them. So that's like killing like four, five, six, twenty dozen birds at once. So that's why they love it, even though it doesn't work for shit in a lot of games and doesn't really need to be there. Uh, do we need online always on uh, Metal Gear Solid? No, of course not. No, we don't. we don't. We don't need it. It makes loading for your menu take longer, and people are, like robbing your base for no reason and shit. But ah, microtransactions have some. Yeah, no. I just buy 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 more stuff. Here's our platform for you to pay us more money. Enjoy. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> I you, played you offline. That. I played you offline that, the entire but... time. Yeah. So, no, even if you play it offline. The people can still steal stuff from your FOB. That you can never turn that off. That's never turn offable. I never accepted the terms. 
You have to. It's mandatory to progress the game. No, it's they, not. They, they, like, stop you in the middle of the game, and if you don't go through that little tutorial thing, they won't let you. I went through the tutorial thing, but that was just all AI-controlled. Yeah, that's part of the user agreement. I don't think so. I never agreed to the online portion of it until until after I finished the game. Like, after I finished the game, they can still whatever the fuck they want to, but... um. The the whole like when I went into Metal Gear Online because I did play a few matches of that I did finally agree to it then. Mm. So know. whatever, ha- have at it, guys. If you want to steal my shit, I'm not playing. <laughs> yeah, when I took up my disc of Metal Gear Five after I played through the storyline, I did a more size stuff, and I was like, this is. I knew that moment when I took it out that this was the last time that I was gonna have this disc inside my PS4 because that's that is my desire to no longer play this game anymore. And that was it. Do you trade games in? Uh, no, I I rent games usually. Okay. Uh, did so you rent Metal Gear? I did. Oh, you didn't I even buy it. it. And then I just returned it. And that's <sighs> it. Uh, like I, I I rent most of the games unless I'm uh, like ninety five percent sure that I'm gonna want to keep it for goods. Uh, saves a lot of money actually. Well, I've always wanted like Metal Gear is like that's my series you know yeah, I, yeah, i'm yeah. going to own all those i own every metal gear game see, so. see the thing is like even when i do choose to own games later that i i rent i played it right that means yeah. i can buy it anytime i want at a discounted price after it goes on crazy sale that's true like friday for example so a lot of times i either um just rent games and i can choose to just keep them through the game fly crap which is still cheaper because I think you can – if it's a $60 game, you can keep the game for 45 right? Yeah. And since you're the only person to have played that game because it just came out, they just give you the you know the box and stuff. So you get a discount that way. Otherwise, I'll just return it and then I'll just buy it later, later down the line. That's probably what I'm going to do with Evil Within. I, I kind of want to go back and replay that game again sometime and try out the DLC uh, when like the Game of the Year thing comes out probably, right? Yeah. Because it, I heard the DLC is kind of neat. So I want to play those – so when that comes out and it's discounted, I'll just pick it up. There you go. I just saved myself a bunch of monies. Yeah. But uh, some people don't care about that stuff. I like – to me, saving money is like a video game unto itself. It's just when – it, when it comes to spending for myself, I'm very frugal except yeah. for anything that's not food. There you go. Yeah. I'm the same way. So I just – you know, if it's a game that I, I really want to play, then I'm, I'm going to buy it. You know, I, I took two days off work to play metal gear you know so it was and it, like my my GameStop, i was going to get it physical uh, my, my GameStop was not going to have a midnight release of this and i was like well i'm not going to fucking have that <laughs> so i canceled my pre-order there and then preloaded it on my playstation and then at midnight i sat there and played metal gear that's good man like it's so rare for us uh to get excited about a lot of things. So when you can have that like real moment, real being a part of the game history, when everyone else in the world or a lot of people in the world is also doing the same thing that you are, I think that's good. It's, it's, it's good to be involved in those moments. That's why I like events like E3 and stuff like that too. Yeah. Because everyone's there at the same time, whether you're actually physically there or just watching it through a stream. And that's always good. But speaking of stories, when are you guys going to play Undertale? I don't know. True. I yeah. You need to play Undertale, buddy. I watched like thirty minutes of that game. Why? Why would you watch it? Just just play the game. Watching him playing is different. Just to see what it was like. Yeah, I mean, you've seen the the screenshots I posted. It it doesn't look like much. 
at all. It looks it looks like something that's made from one of those like game maker things, and partially it kind of is. Right. But when you actually play the game and you actually get into the the storyline and the, how all the the aspect of the gameplay ties in with the, what the the story is telling you and the overall theme of the game, it's just like man, that is some good shit. I believe you. It's just, it's crazy because the internet blew up on that game to some degree because you saw like the Metacritic score and everything. It was actually it's it's not as high as Metal Gear Five anymore on the PC. Anymore, I don't think. I think Metal Gear is like 95 on Metacritic, Undertale's 94. Mm-hmm. But for a good while, when you know it was like 11, 14, like 14 reviews, it was it was up there. That's crazy. Yeah. For a game that's like what 10 bucks or something, 15 bucks, 10 bucks. Do you think this will be your game of the year? It's it's got a very 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 good chance so far. Yeah. Like it, it is. Uh, I'll tell you, it's the front runner. But I still have other games I'm you know, I'm looking forward to playing, like Xenoblade Chronicles X and other stuff. So, uh, to me, Persona is not coming out this year, but you know this year has been good enough. I'll I'll see I'll see that game next year, maybe at this. Yeah, John. My 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 biggest thing is um, we're talking about game of the year stuff because this is coming up soon. But um, I don't think I have yet, uh, aside from Life is Strange. I don't think I have yet to run into a game of the year contender. Really? Yeah. Because if you'd asked me this in March, mm-hmm. I'd be like, dude, Metal Gear Solid 5 is going to be my game of the year. Period. You can't say it before you play the game, but I, I, th- this I, is I true. understand your excitement, yes. And that was the thing. was like, I mean, it's a Metal Gear game, you know. You have an expectation. And... After playing through Metal Gear, I was like, is this even – I mean it's, it's got to hit my top ten just because of how fucking good it plays. But I'm like, this is nowhere near my game of the year. It's really not. And I was just like, I don't even know what to put on here. I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to think of like what to put on there. I'm like, if I play The Witcher 3, it will probably be on my top ten. You know, and I'm like – knowing, knowing your taste, I can almost guarantee that it will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that was the thing. I was like, I really want to play this game, but I'm not playing it until I play with. How about How about Monster Hunter? Monster that- Hunter is most certainly going to be in a top ten. There you go. I don't think it's my game of the year, mm-hmm. but um, I played a shitload of Monster Hunter. Yeah, we had a good time. Man. We did. That was a fantastic time. In fact, I, I flirted with the idea of going back to it, and I'm like, I will have to relearn this entire game. <laughs> <laughs> that is not an easy game, but it is. Boy, it is a rewarding when you when you figure shit out. Yeah. And I fucking love the insect glaive. Oh. That that is my weapon of choice. Hey man, me and you. When Monster Hunter X comes out, we're in there. Oh yeah, absolutely. I I hope. I don't know. Ken will probably approach you to review it. No, uh, I'll pass that to you, and uh, we'll we can play it together one way or another. Well, no, you you bought it, and I'll buy this one then. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, you can have it. I'll defer to you. Um, uh, we'll see. Like it really depends on what we're covering at the time, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, Monster Hunter probably one of them. Um, Life is Strange, like man, like I have to stress because I don't know if I've talked about it enough on any podcast. But uh, please, please don't uh, ruin anything for me. I, I will, I will not ruin anything for anybody. But and I've done that with all my reviews. If you read any of my reviews, they, I, ha- they, I religiously stayed away from your reviews of that one, so well, that, that I can play this one going in fresh. That's the thing. is like If you read my reviews, though, they are so fucking vague. You're like, what did he even write? Because I don't put any spoilers whatsoever in there. 
Um, but my God, like there, there's only been a few games ever that have made me tear up and life is strange made me tear up twice. Mm, very emotionally charged. eh? Yes. I think the way they handle situations, but also like the use of music in this game. Like I'm, I'm not a big fan of this whole indie hipster music stuff and they use it a lot in this game. But some of the music that they do use is is fantastic, like for the setting and stuff like that. I mean, there's there's some, some crazy things that happen, and the decisions that you have to make in this game. Like you think fucking like The Walking Dead does like hard decisions. Fucking life is strange. Like there was there's a decision in that game that literally I stood at the screen and just said, "Fuck you, game." Is it uh is it time decisions or no? They are not time decisions. You okay. can, in fact. You can do a decision, and because of Max's special power, you can rewind it and choose the other decision. I feel like – wouldn't that like take away the impact from the decision that you're making though? Not really because you don't mm-hmm. know what's going to happen after that. So you can only, you can only rewind so much. Oh, uh, because there's, there's a limitation to it. It's not infinite power. Yeah, yeah. It's not okay. infinite power. You, you can see how this is going to play out immediately, mm. but in later episodes, you have no idea. So it's there there's some there's some crazy have you played any of it yet? No, not at all. I just okay. picked it up. Okay. Yeah, it's it's nuts. The first episode I will say is is the the weakest of them all because it's basically introducing everybody. And it's just introducing Max's power. Um but second episode, man, there's some crazy stuff that happened in there. The third episode, holy shit. That's the third episode was one of them that made me tear up and then the final episode made me tear up. Good stuff, man. I, I'm really excited to hear about that because when it comes to actual gameplay, people can have fun, right? But when it comes to uh, like having a player be emotionally involved is something that's truly rare. Yeah. So that's good. That and Lost Odyssey was the other game. Lost Odyssey had its moments too. Holy good. shit, man. The, the thing about Lost Odyssey was it wasn't even the game that made me cry. It was the fucking stories you read. Those optional stories. Mm-hmm. They're really well written. Oh yeah, that's the thing. And I, I think that's what that game was based on. I think it's based on some kind of like folk tale or something, or based around these stories. And then they made a game over it. And I was just like, Jesus Christ, man! There, there was a, the one where it was like he ran into this kid, and then years and years later, he ran into it as a, an old person and it still remember him, remembered him and I was like my god this is so fucking sad because it's the story of these mortals that that have lived many lifetimes so they have all these experiences yeah yeah it's, it's kind of crazy it's great uh, what did you think about uh, as far as this uh, more games that came out this year what did you think about bloodborne i didn't play enough of it to even have an opinion really why not i played a lot of that game um I just feel like I didn't like. I made it to was it Cecile? What was her? What, the the spider looking, the weird looking thing in the chapel. Ah, uh, oh, that so, is not even close to far. That is like the second boss you fight. No, it's like the fourth boss you fight. Because I fought the big thing on the bridge, the first boss, basically. That's, that's optional, by the way. I know, I, I know, but um, I fought that one. Then I fought the 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 guy who was basically a hunter. Okay. Um, and then I fought. There was another one. 
You fought the uh, the blood drenched beast, maybe. Yeah, I fought that one. Okay, so you you kind of did it in like weird order. order. Yeah, yeah. But well, that's one of the good things about the game is that it's non-linear to some degree. Yeah. But okay, but like you you didn't fight like like ten bosses. Yeah, I know. Oh, but so you just didn't like the overall feel of the game or something? No, no, it's it's totally like you know Dark Soul ish kind of thing. Um, out of all the games that I've 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 played through. The the Soul series, the only ones I've ever finished was Demon Souls and Dark Souls. Um, did you review Dark Souls too? I did, but I got really far into it, but I never oh, finished it. Okay. I was like, I, 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 I got it early, and I wanted to, I wanted to make the embargo. Ah, uh, yeah. Those games are tough too. So if you just start mashing your head into an encounter, you might have a bad time. I think it was during a time when something else was coming out. I can't remember uh, with with Bloodborne. I mean, I, I th- don't get right, I think it's great. You know, I, I love the Soul series. Always have. Um, and I just like I, I need to go back and actually sit down and play through that game. Yeah. I just I just haven't had the time to. That's that's one of my biggest issues. Um, but I like what I played of it. I'm sure that's going to hit tons of game of the year stuff. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's on my top ten for sure. But the thing about uh, that game is that what I felt about that game is that from a gameplay standpoint, it was so very different from a Souls game because it encouraged you to be go on the offensive instead of the turtle up technique that you've been forced with in Demon Souls and Dark Souls because that was the meticulous pacing of that game. Yeah. That was the strategy. But in this one, it turned that upside down. Even the shield... The only single shield that you find in the game is a joke item, basically, yeah. to tell you that this that wasn't the past. Not look towards the future, and I love that. That was such a refreshing change of pace. But at the same time, it it still kept the core, the the the, the mythos and the world building based on items and these like very like cryptic messages of people talking to you, and you you had to kind of piece together your own story. And it looked really great too, even though the frame rate kind of dipped a bit. But yeah, that's that was a that was a very very good game. Um, I'm not sure how I'm gonna like the DLC, but I'll probably check it out when it goes down in price, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, it's good stuff. I think I did that. I mean, for the for the beginning part of the year, I played a lot of Destiny. You know, that was when the Dark Below and um, mm-hmm. the House of Wolves came out. Um, so I was still deep into Destiny whenever I was playing that. Um, and Diablo 3, I mean, I played god-awful amount of Diablo 3. I mean, I've platinum that game. Oh, yeah, you did on the PS4, right? Yeah, and it's, <laughs> I was obsessed with that. I mean, Diablo 3, it, it could be the game of the year every fucking year for me. I mean, it was... <laughs> that's the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, they say they might have a new Diablo project in the works. That I'm, might uh, introduce in the next BlizzCon, maybe. I'm I am totally down for that. Reaper of Souls was excellent. Really, basically revitalized Diablo in general as a series. So, oh yeah. So we'll we'll see we'll see we'll see where that takes it. Would you put that on your game of the year for this year? Because the Ultimate Edition came out this year, right? No, it came out last year. Came out last year? Yeah. And then the Reaper of stuff, Soul stuff, came out this year. No, no, that that, that was just, that the Reaper Souls was part of it. Reaper Souls came out last year at the beginning, oh, man. Of, the that was beginning, a yeah, beginning oh. of last year, and then they released the Ultimate Edition like in October of that year. Oh, of last okay. year, um, yeah. So it's yeah, that's that's totally in the past now. But 
I mean, the, the, the thing was, was the big update. You know, they released an update a couple months ago that fucking changed that game once again. And I, like, I got really deep into that. Then my hardcore character died and I got kind of pissed <laughs> off and yeah. Hey, hardcore never ends well, man. It doesn't, man. I was, I was so proud of my hardcore character. But I, it's, that's the whole thing. It's like the journey. Yeah. Know, not the destination kind of thing for hardcore. But for me, it's like, I'm always afraid that I'm going to get screwed over by something. Like, it's an online game, uh, as far as, as far as the PC experience goes anyway. So, if I get some, some kind of lag spike, or my internet goes down for a second, and my guy just lags in the middle of a bunch of dudes, and then that's not my fault at all. It's a matter of circumstance, or even, even if something in a blizzard screws up, and they have a huge, like, DDoS attack or some shit, and then my guy dies, it's just, uh... Yeah. I don't know. I just, I got really attached to my, my barbarian. Yeah. Would you do it again? Yeah, well, I, already, I, I immediately started another one. Oh, okay. I mean, it, it was a different character. Um, I did a wizard, but it was, you know. Never the same again, eh? No, no, it's not. You know, my, that was my barbarian. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it's one of those things that I, I loved. Like, that, that was, it had been a while since I got into something like that. You know, I, in fact, I was talking about it the other day with, with Ken through our emails about like in the year 2000 when I was 15 years old what was I doing at the time well, I was playing Quake 3 Arena and I was mm-hmm. playing Diablo 2 and for an entire year there that's all I played was Diablo 2 I put I I'm I fear to even think about how many hours I put in Diablo 2 at least 500 hours Sounds about right Yeah and most of it was in one character did you do a lot of like MF runs and stuff? I I yeah, I did a lot of stuff in that game. I did everything you can possibly imagine in that game, and it was all done with a necromancer. <laughs> that was my that was my character. So when the witch doctor like when they announced the witch doctor and I looked at the powers and stuff, I was like that's the necromancer reborn. I was like, "Yes, I'm, I'm totally going to play the witch doctor." And as of the current moment, the witch doctor is still my favorite class in Diablo 3. Um but yeah, I was I was obsessed with Diablo two back in the day. Really, me was. too, man. I like I was I was hooked on the whole gambling hook side of MF finding. Yeah, I got a sorcerer, um, and I used to do those meth runs. You know, you know what I mean by meth runs, right? The where you were. Wait, all right, explain it to me because I I don't know the term. There's a there's a I believe it's the Act two boss called Mephisto. Okay, yeah. You do it in the hardest difficulty. You kill him. He drops a bunch of stuff, and then you grab his grab the stuff, and you 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 just go to the next game, and then you do another run where you kill Mephisto again. But the thing about it is that you try to do it as fast as you can, wearing as little as you can, just for the sake of having as much MF gear as possible, because it was based on percentage, right? <laughs> yeah, I remember this. <laughs> yeah, so I was wearing an entire set of MF gear, like no defense, like one shot kills me every time. And I, w- I had my inventory full of MF charms. Yeah. So I was just, just MF machine. I remember. And I would do those runs in an under a minute. So in like an hour, I could do like 65, 70 Mephisto runs. And I would just do it. I would turn on some kind of like a music soundtrack and just go for it for like two, three hours at a time. And I was the guy that used to give all the items to my friends. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, I found this uh, storm shield here. You know, you use it for your bar. I don't know. Just here, I found I found this Oculus here. Go ahead, use it for your mage. And then I, I was I was kind of the guy that was giving stuff away to people. But like 
the act of gambling and just farming the items was like the ultimate fun. And Diablo 3 has a, has a lot of that too, but to a much lesser degree, I guess, because it's kind of old by now. Yeah, that's I've, I've flirted with the idea of going back to Diablo 2 just to see how I can do it. And I'm like, ah, I don't know about that. I don't uh, want to tarnish my memory. Yeah, yeah. Some some things are better left in the past, you know? Yeah, low in the dark. <laughs> I don't even know why I even liked the game in the first place, thinking back on it. But. I, I thought it was innovative. You know, they, 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 Alone in the Dark did a lot of things that nobody had ever seen before. And then six months later, people did it better. And that was the thing. I played it in 2000. Six when it came out, and see, see, but the thing is, right? If if a game is good, like I go back to play Resident Evil Four, like the PS2 version of it, like maybe a couple of years ago. Yeah, fantastic time. I played the Resident Evil Four HD remaster that came out on PS3. I played it again, fantastic time. It's it's like an old game with very old ass conventions. You can't even shoot while you move in third person, right? Yeah, but it's still a fantastic game, even. If like other games have done the whole third person thing better to some degree as far as gameplay wise, like even Dead Space games play better than Resident Evil Four at this point, so yeah, it's, it's weird. Yeah, uh, it was always a turd. <laughs> I was just, uh, I guess I had rose tinted glasses. Who knows? I oh, God, that that game is so horrible. A platinum <laughs> that game. Oh boy, yeah. I don't even know how much you have to play of that game to platinum it. A, a decent amount, but I mean, it, it didn't take it didn't take extra long time. It took probably took I beat the game and then probably spent another hour in it, mm-hmm. and that was. Oh, are you are you a big trophy fiend? Not really. Um, I used to be on the PS3, mm. like uh, whenever I was in the early times of the of the trophies, but um, now it, I will I will try to platinum a game if I like it. If I, if I really like it, you know, like I Diablo three, obviously I did Far Cry four, um, and you know stuff like that. If it's obtainable, that's the thing. Like I saw the trophy list for Alone in the Dark, and I said I can do this probably in one run, you know, and okay. I and I pretty much did. You know, I didn't have to restart the story or anything like that. And if I can do that, yeah, sure, I'll go for the platinum. You know. It's it's one of those things, you know. Diablo three, I was like, yeah, I'm, I want to play it in this game because I fucking love it, you know. And Far Cry four was the same way. I looked at the I looked at the trophy list and said, this is completely obtainable. Plus, I kind of like this game, so yeah, sure, let's, let's spend some more time with that game. Uh, so I was playing the Sky of Five, and I noticed when I was syncing my trophies, like, oh, I have ninety three percent of the trophies in this game naturally. I was like, ah, I'll, I'll I'll look up what I need to do next for the the two or three that I'm missing. And I'll just get the platinum since I'm basically almost done anyway. So I start I start doing it. the The first two were easily attainable enough uh, because my guys are all like max level. I can kill whatever I feel like. And then I look at the last one, and I was like, oh man, this is this is really obnoxious and tedious. It's one of those things where you got to go to a stage. And you gotta obtain like the one item from that particular stage by filling up your bonus meter, and that takes a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. So it's incredibly easy for me at this level, but it's also just just mind-numbingly tedious. And I started doing it, and then halfway through, and I was like, "I'm bored. Why am I even doing this? What am I even gonna do with this trophy?" And the revelation hits me that why I don't 
go for these trophies in the first place hits me like a ton of bricks. It's like, oh shit, this is why I don't like trophies. Trophies are stupid. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I'm just going to stop. And I felt better. I felt so much better. I felt almost like a weight has lifted off my chest. I was like, oh, this means nothing. (laughs) You know, I I, I keep saying that I platinumed uh, Alone in the Dark so that way there is zero reason to ever go back to this game. <laughs> I, hey, Drew, you know, uh, maybe 10 years from now, you're still running something like Phoenix Down. And you say to yourself, was Alone in the Dark really that bad? <laughs> <laughs> I will go back and listen to my old episodes. <laughs> because they, they re-released shit. Alone in the Dark Ultra HD 4K remaster. Oh, man, 4K. 4K. I don't even 3D. have a 4K. I don't even have a 4K television. <laughs> no, this is 10 years in the future, Drew, okay? 4K 3D VR. Oh, man. Okay, that's, 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 our, that's our platform now. That's, yeah. that's what everything is on. And Alone in the Dark comes back triumphantly. <laughs> this is the game that started it all. And then you're, you're Drew, and you're like, oh, man, maybe the game really wasn't that bad. Maybe yeah. I should try this new version. So, you know, there's always never say never, plat- right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, whole new set of platinum trophy you can get. That's true. There you get it. Oh, no, no, I'm good. Learned uh learned a valuable lesson, eh? Yeah, I I I really did. There's 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 been times where I, I would go back, you know, like the perfect example, like Low in the Dark was the polar opposite. I I played this game and thought it was kind of innovative and then I played it again and said this game's complete turd. But then there was other games like with you, uh, Alpha Protocol. I pl- originally played like maybe three, four hours of that game and said this is complete ass. And then we oh, yeah. finished down. And I was like, this is one of the best games that's ever been made. I mean, like, it's, it's hard. It's hardcore, buggy and bad in a mm-hmm. sense. But I've never seen a game deviate that much ever. The labyrinthian. Branching of the storyline and characters. It's nuts. Like, you know, have you ever played Path of Exile? Path of Exile, yes. Okay. Oh, okay. Have you, you ever seen the fucking the skill tree thing? That is, if you go, anybody out there, go just Google search the Path of Exile skill tree and zoom out. That is the choices and deviations in Alpha Protocol. That's how many there are. It's crazy. It is it is insane, and the fact that that game never really got its fair shake just makes me sad. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I, I understood full well why people didn't think much of it when it first came out, because it was such such an such an exact idea of a diamond in the rough, right? Yeah, like it's so rough, like the the visuals, the gameplay. It just everything just feels like crap until you know you level stuff up and the gameplay gets better. But boy. That game. And the fact that we're never going to have another Alpha Protocol kind of game is just makes me sad. It does make me sad. Yeah. It was fantastic. Then, you know, the voice acting was pretty good. You know, the story was relatively good, you know. I don't know. That was one of those. I but that's, that's, that's the whole point of the Phoenix Down series. Like you just kind of go back sometimes and then look back into uh, what, made some, what made some of your favorite games great and Maybe you missed something that might have been, right? Yeah. You know, it's weird because it tears on nostalgia at the same time. Yes. It's like Metal Gear. Metal Gear Solid. Like Metal Gear Solid, we went back and played that. That game is hard to play now. 
it's you know you can't use the control stick you have to use the d-pad to move and aim and everything like that and <laughs> it's it's hard to go back to it doesn't look that great either you know but it, it, nostalgia man i mean they, I, i've always said i said it last week on the n4g podcast if i in my gaming life if i could ever go back and relive something one more time it would be when i first put in that pizza hut demo disc and played the Metal Gear Solid demo for the first time. Pizza Hut had a demo disc of Metal Gear Solid. Pizza Hut had a lot of demo discs. They had yeah. uh, it, it was a compilation. It had like a Medieval on it. It had uh, I want to say. Wait, wait, isn't this the whole like? Didn't it come with this come with a magazine? Some of them did. Some of them came with PlayStation Underground. Yeah. Um, but this one was actually from Pizza Hut. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It had Metal Gear and it had Medieval on it. I know that. And it may have had something Tomb Raider, maybe a Tomb Raider. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, playing that demo, and I was like, "Dad, take me to Walmart. I gotta, I gotta buy this game." <laughs> I think uh, the demo that I played the most amount of time is probably that Final Fantasy VII demo. I remember that came that one. with uh, I think Saga Frontier. It did. Is the game that came out with it? Oh man, I played that demo at least like ten, fifteen times. <laughs> And then um, even even more than that is my friend. Um, I picked up Zone of the Enders for the yeah. Metal Gear Solid Two demo. For everybody did. Come on, yeah, of course. Who and I actually loved Zone of the Enders. Enders. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who, who gave a shit about Zone of the Enders whenever it first came out? Nobody knew what the fuck it was. All we knew was Metal Gear Solid Two demos on there. <laughs> Metal Gear Two demo just happens to come with Zone of the Enders. Yeah, yeah. That that was the hook, and it was brilliant because that actually got Zone of Enders to me because enough people bought Zone of Enders one. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but. Uh, that demo, my friend of mine who I used to um, live with, uh, I think that was like, like my like first year of college or something like that. So he had the I had the game hooked up, and he used to play the game. I think he beat it something like fifty times, and he didn't do it like in a way where he does the same thing over and over again. He would try to discover things like a bug tester. Mm-hmm. And then he scoured every inch of that area trying to do stick up this. And, like, that demo was amazing. Yeah. Man, that was that was so good. That demo changed, too, because um, in the demo, you could actually get a real gun and kill guys. Uh, and But in the actual game, you, you didn't get the real gun until after you fought Olga. So you could actually kill Olga in the demo. Oh, yeah. So that was... Um, yeah, I played the shit out of that demo. And then I started playing Zone of the Enders, and I was like, eh, this is all right. But then I didn't have a memory card, and I was like, I just got to leave my PlayStation on. Wow, you didn't have a memory card for your PS2? Because they're fucking 50 bucks, and I was 16. <laughs> I beat I beat RPG games in the PS1 without memory cards because I couldn't afford one. Wow. You ever play this game called Vandal Hearts on the PS1? It's a strategy mm-hmm. RPG game. I, I, I know the game, and Matt uh-huh. wants to do it for Phoenix Down one day. That game is actually really cool. Well, I haven't revisited in you know, like twenty years. But wait, I go back. I, I take that back. It, that's that's the one game that I get mixed up with another one. What? Vandal Hearts. I get Vandal Hearts mixed up with Vagrant Story. Vagrant Story. Yeah. Yeah, different game. Different yeah. Game. Vagrant Story is a Square Enix game. Uh, Vandal Hearts is something else entirely. Yeah. Uh, but Vandal Hearts is like the strategy RPG game. That's actually really cool. Uh, and Vagrant Story is actually an excellent game too. Um, has a really cool storyline that the gameplay is kind like super creative, and it has it has one of the best one-liners in an RPG game ever. 
Oh, Vagrant Story? Yeah. What does it have? Uh, I mean, you got to have the whole setting and everything, but it's something along the lines of um, they're going into this like fortress teeming with monsters and bandits and every other bad guy in the universe. And uh, your sidekick or your kind of like understudy says, oh, but we have to... Uh, we have to wait for reinforcements. And the main guy, you, walks into the gate. And as the gate is closing, the, closing right behind you, says, reinforcements. I am the reinforcements. <laughs> and just fade to black as he just walks towards forward. He's like, yeah. yeah, this is a cool motherfucker. Yeah. And they just play the game at that point. It's like when yeah. Klaus Strife says, less mosey. Not not quite as badass. But, yeah, I know. No. <laughs> it's just dumb. <laughs> uh, yeah, but Final oh. Fantasy VII remake, hey. Oh Jesus Christ! That is that has me scared and excited in all the interesting ways. You know, I I I think they're going to do a good job with that. You think so? I think so. I know that they said, "Oh, we're going to change some things as far as story goes." I don't think it's going to be anything dramatic like Eris lives, <laughs> but um. <laughs> I, I think they're going to do a really good job. And I'll tell you, it's funny because when I saw that, when I, you know, everybody saw the big reveal that they're doing a remake. Oh. There is a game, another Final Fantasy game. For some reason, it reminded me of Final Fantasy VII. And it was actually Final Fantasy thirteen two. There's a part in that game where uh, you're in a city and it's uh-huh. raining and uh, during the battles, one of the great things that that kind of took me away, because um, uh, it, it was one of those things where you don't realize it until you see it. But in in, in ten two, like obviously, you know, technology nowadays they can do this kind of stuff. But the the battle terrain changes depending on where you are, and the like. You know, we're in this area where it's a city and it's raining and stuff like that. And when I went into a battle. It had that same kind of background to it. And I was like, wow, for some reason I'm getting like a Final Fantasy VII vibe out of this really, really badly. And I was like, it, it kind of brought back nostalgia for me. But I was like, that, that was that was fantastic. And I was like, I really want to see something like this with Final Fantasy VII. And then, of course, they're making the remake. So The, the whole delivery of the Final Fantasy VII remake is that it's been years, like literally years in the making for this particular announcement. That's why it has so much impact. We've been brought to that brink where, oh man, they're finally going to do it. They're finally going to, oh, it's just Final Fantasy VII for the PS3. Oh, and then, oh my God, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. They're going to do it. And then, no, it's just another like compilation thing. And then all of a sudden you see it pop up and they have, they start dropping these hints left and right. And you're like, can it be? And then you kind of put yourself in a situation where you dare not believe because you're just really tired of being disappointed at this point, right? Yeah. So you're just really hesitant to believe it until that moment. And then you see that blade on the cloud's back and that Final Fantasy VII, the remake finally pops up there. Oh, that was an electrifying moment for everyone involved. Yeah, it was. I yeah. was, I was, man. I, we even recorded it like a, when we, we were watching it live and we recorded for the E3 special or whatever. And I was like, originally I thought, cause they didn't show anything, but right. I was like, obviously this is final fantasy and they, and you can see Midgar and stuff like that. And I was like, is this, 
I, 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 originally when I was thinking, I was like, this is a sequel to Final Fantasy VII. I think they're going to do like a 7-2 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it showed Barrett walking and I was like, oh, there's Barrett. And I was like, well, maybe it's going to be like, you know, it, this will be like a starring Barrett kind of thing. <laughs> and then Cloud shows like, oh, okay, they're doing a remake. So. It's like, I thought maybe they were doing another like Advent Children kind of movie, but instead of like a new story, they'll just recap the story in Final Fantasy VII. That seemed more believable at the time than a remake. Yeah. Because it seems so impossible. Um, because man, we've all seen like the Final Fantasy VII concept trailer for fucking like PlayStation 3 when they first doing those things. Yeah. And how, how good the graphics can everything, everything can look. So it's, that's coming out. And also not, not only that, like the Resident Evil 2 remake. Oh my I god! Know, I know if Matt were here, he'd also be gushing about that just as much as I. Oh man, I can't fucking wait for that because I, that that's we have talked about my three favorite games of all time already: Metal Gear Solid, Final Fantasy VII, and Resident Evil Two. Those all, are all, all PS One, eh? Yeah, all PS One. I'm telling <laughs> the reason why, and I tell you because it tears on nostalgia. And they scientists have actually proven this. They say that you're the most nostalgic for games for things mm-hmm. that you've experienced from the ages twelve to fourteen. And seven, Final Fantasy Seven, Metal Gear Solid, and Resident Evil Two were right there in that that time frame for me. I I totally believe it because I feel I feel the same way. About uh, those kind of games too, yeah. so it's crazy. And you know, Final Fantasy and you know Resident Evil, it feels like they're just they're just the classics of classics, right? As far oh, yeah. as the series goes, they're they're just legendary names in their own right. And even though both of those games have their like shared like failings in the last couple of years or in the last decade, more or less, mm. <laughs> uh, we we can say that um, they've done some things right. Uh, did you try the uh, Final Fantasy 15 demo at all? I no, I didn't. It, it's it's interesting. I kind of yeah. like the gameplay aspect of it, and the fact that they're making it actually like open world supposedly uh, is is a very interesting concept. So I look forward to that. But you know, going back to Resident Evil, they did an amazing job with Resident Evil remake. Yeah, like that's. That is probably the best classic Resident Evil game. Yeah, that, I mean, we did that for last October, and it holds up even on the GameCube. We played the GameCube version because it was a few months before, or it was a month before they released the re-re-release. And um, yeah, that shit holds up, man, and it's still creepy as hell. Yeah, I think that may be one of the scariest games ever made because, um, you know, I guess actually some funny opinions. I I end up babysitting my nephews a lot. For my sister, mm-hmm. when she goes to work sometimes when I when I'm off, so I have uh, the kids like maybe one of them something like eight, the other one something like eleven or so. Mm-hmm. I became a I became an uncle before I got even out of freaking high school. So <laughs> my sisters are much older than I. Um, so I'm I'm, baby, I'm babysitting them, and I always give them something to play or watch or something. And I have them playing horror games a lot. <laughs> you're that that's uncle. what I like. Yeah, you're and that also, uncle. Also, I also like to see them quiver in fear. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 it is entertaining to me. So I have them play Resident Evil Remake, the older one. He's playing. He's scared out of his mind. Um, you know, I have I have a certain bit of mercy in my soul, so I let him play in easy mode, right? right. So it's not it's not too hard. It's actually beatable for him. And then the younger one comes up to me and says, "Like, ah, oh, I want to play Dead Space," and I was like. Really? 
Okay. So he's playing Dead Space while the older one watches after he pl- he finished the Resident Evil remake. And then I asked them both, which is the scarier game, Dead Space 2 or uh, Resident Evil remake? And without even like a half second hesitation, they're like, Resident Evil by far. <laughs> remake is super scary. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, like I, the first Dead Space I thought was fantastic, but um, yeah. I mean, Dead Space 2 was fantastic too. But um, yeah. yeah, Resident Evil, man. That's This is classic horror. You know, you, like. Even whenever I was a kid, I prefer Resident Evil Two uh, just because of how epic it was. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, game. yeah, you know, Resident Evil One was like nobody really knew what was going on. It was it was this weird like there's these weird zombie monster things. You know, they never actually came out and said, "Oh, it's zombies coming after you" or anything like that. You're like you're in this mansion, and then there's monsters after you. But you know, once we found out it's a virus, it's classic zombie outbreak kind of thing. Well, um, when uh, Resident Evil One actually came out, there, like, there wasn't this influx of zombie stuff in the media, like there is now. It was basically Dawn of the uh, Day, the Day of the Day, and Dawn of the Dead. I think those were like basically the two or three movies that were really out, as far as zombie stuff goes. Yeah, that were popular, and there were certainly no zombie games, like really. Uh, yeah, there was there was nothing like that, and you know, I didn't. I think at that age, I didn't really know what a zombie was. You know, how old were you when you played the the first Resident Evil game? <sighs> Let's see, it came out in '96. Mm-hmm. I think I played it in '97, so I was probably about 12. Man, you actually beat that game at that age? I did. I did. Nice. That first moment where that that pale eyed zombie looks looks slowly turns his head and looks at you it's like ah (laughs) i noticed that they do that multiple times that same shot they do that multiple times in the evil within uh i know they do it once i didn't know they did it multiple times when when the little when the when the kid the kid who's leslie or whatever oh there's multiple times he's in a corner and then he'll turn around and look at you like that i'm like wow that's resident evil all over again but um yeah that 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 scared me the the dogs obviously jumping through oh, the window scared God, the shit man. out of me when I was a kid, um, but yeah, Resident Evil Two the the biggest scare for me I, I was at a like I bought Resident Evil Two when it came out I was I was like yes I want this game I've been waiting for it and you know it, it even like I remember I, st- I think I still have the case somewhere you know on the case it said you could be an extra in the Resident Evil movie that's coming out and that never happened but um <laughs> uh, and I but I took it to a friend's house and there was like four of us. And it was like a Saturday night, and it was really, really dark, and you know, it was like, like you know, we could stay up late and stuff like that. And we were playing Resident Evil Two, and that part where Leon's walking in the in the police department, and you walk uh, uh, by this window that's boarded up, and those fucking arms push oh, out. Oh man! Oh my god! That made everybody <laughs> in the room jumped. We screamed everything. And I like I waste I think I wasted the entire clip shooting the arms and stuff. <laughs> it was so great. Oh, that's fantastic. And then the you know, when you run into the first liquor and Oh, all... that cinematic, like state of the art at the time. Oh yeah, we never seen <laughs> Nothing looked better. Yeah. It was so fucking creepy. And those liquors every time you hear the the Yeah. And it's like, Oh God, I don't want to be here right now. Oh man, I used to love that game. I can't wait uh, for that remake. You know, the thing about those Resident Evil games for me is like I find them endlessly replayable. Those are one of those games I think I beat Resident Evil one, two, three, four, probably like maybe once a year. Yeah. Especially the classics. Like now that I have them on the Vita, it's even easier, you know? I just pick it up. Sometimes I just I just feel like in the mood for a classic Resident Evil game and I just go right into Resident Evil two. 
you know, whether I'm playing, uh, you know, Claire or Leon campaigns or something like that. It's just so much fun. And yeah, obviously the visuals and everything has to age well as a PlayStation 1 game, for God's sakes. But when you actually play the game, you kind of like vicariously live through your old days of playing it for the first time. Yeah. And there, not, not a lot of games can have that effect on you. It's true. That's, that, that's one of the things like Resident Evil 1, I think that on the PlayStation 1, I have most of it memorized. Um, and it's one of those things like I, I have Metal Gear Solid completely memorized. If you listen to our Metal Gear Solid 1 podcast, I mean, I'm fucking just rattling off like, <laughs> lines and everything. Um, but yeah, Resident Evil 1, I had a lot of it memorized. And what was the great thing about it? And because and, you know, I've always been a huge Resident Evil fan since the beginning. And then seeing fucking Nintendo Power, those screenshots of the new remake on the GameCube, I was like, I've got to get this. This looks fucking amazing. <laughs> I picked it up. And the first thing I realized was I, was pl- I started playing as Jill. And I went, you know, I had I had the game memorized. I knew exactly where to go and everything. Then all of a sudden, I went into this room. I was like, "Well, this room didn't exist in the first game." And then you go outside in the graveyard area. I'm like, "What? what? You have fucked me completely. <laughs> I don't know what to do anymore." <laughs> and the dogs don't even come at the first time through that hallway anymore. No, they don't. The they second come, time, through. second time you come back, and I'm like, Ooh, "You fuckers, you bastards! <laughs> <laughs> they know that you memorized that game." They're messing with you the whole entire time. Yep. It's great. I hope they do the exact same kind of thing for Resident Evil 2. Because I have Resident Evil 2 memorized like the back of my hand too. Yeah. So I'm I'm really excited for that. But the big discussion right now is that should they make it a more modern, third-person shootery kind of thing. Like, uh, you know, with Resident Evil 5 and 6. But obviously, you know, still keep the core gameplay of uh, Resident Evil 2. Or should they make it that Resident Evil remake style? Remake, man. Yeah, just so you want that pre-rendered background. And Absolutely, right? that's exactly. So do what I. I so do I, man. I mean, that's that's Resident Evil too. You know, I mean, the, we, we got that, and it was called Operation Raccoon City. And <laughs> I, I'll be honest with you, I fucking love Operation Raccoon City. Do I, you? Oh fuck yeah! Dude, I, I it was it was in my top ten games of the year. Dude, the enemies were so blood like bullet spongy. The, the, the online component didn't work well. The the, the co-op worked. Just fine. I fucking me, Ken, and Dave played through all of that game. When the DLC came out, we played all of it again. We loved that game. I fucking love Operation Raccoon City. You guys had a very different experience from me. I mean, the like like the versus mode sucked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was that was that was crap. But I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, it was a little janky and stuff like that with like the controls and the shooting and stuff like that. But I mean, I was like. Just being able to see Raccoon City like this, I was like, "Yes, this is what I want," you know. And when they announced that that new Resident Evil game at E3 this year, or whenever yeah. they felt they announced it, that I was does like, look like a spiritual successor to Operation Raccoon. Yeah, that's that's the first thing I was like, "Cool, oh, dude, they're doing a sequel to Operation Raccoon City." I'm, I'm totally down for this. And then they're like, "No, it's just really an online versus thing." I'm like, "Fuck that, man! Come on, that that was that was crap in in Raccoon City." Because I was. You know, and it kind of pissed me off, but I was like, "Yeah, I'm totally down for like a, a next gen Raccoon City." Fuck yes, I fucking love that game. You're the first group of guys that I've heard that love that game, but yep. okay. You can ask me, Ken and Dave. We will both tell you the same thing. I, I, I believe you, but you know how uh, Ken has a very peculiar taste for certain bad games, and so does Dave. <laughs> yeah, well, that's 
Well, I got, apparently so do I because, you know, Dragon Age Inquisition was my game of the year last year. Yes, that's true. <laughs> but, like, I can understand why you might like that game because all you really cared about, like, was the whole, like, story element to it and, you know, the, the world building from the first to the third. And I got, I, I understood your point. I just put more emphasis on the, on the gameplay and the world itself. That's that's my qualms about it, yeah. but um, this year, you know, I don't have too many like stinkers like that that I expect to be amazing. So, so that's good. Except for Metal Gear. <sighs> I get like I I feel a part of myself die. Yeah, I mean, every time I think every about time that. I think about Metal Gear Solid Five, and it's just a weird feeling, man. It's yeah. not even it's not even a bad game. It's a good game. Yeah, but it it's so uh... it's not a Metal Gear game. Yeah, it's it's not. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you could you could take Big Boss and the Metal Gears out of it, and it could be generic third person shooter. You know, we, we it could have been it, you could have easily turned that into I don't know uh, Ghost Recon, <laughs> you know, or something like that. I, I was, oh man, I am so disappointed in that game. The the thing about Metal Gear Solid Five in particular is that. It does the open world thing better than most. Maybe better than any other game has done. Yeah. From the open-ended gameplay standpoint, right? Yeah. But the problem with that is that that's not what Metal Gear was. And I'm not I'm not like I'm not trying to be a baby saying that like, "Wah, wah, it's not it's not what I want. It's not what it was." I'm not talking about that. The problem is that Metal Gear Solid as a series and a franchise has always been unique. Yeah. There's no other game that does the mix of storytelling, gameplay, stealth, espionage, action that Metal Gear Solid series has done. No other game has done that since. Other game, ha- other games have tried to do it. Like Splinter Cell has tried to do it to some degree, but that's more of like a modern day thriller, right? Yeah. You don't have this like high, strong, like like a pseudo fantasy thing that Metal Gear is going for. Like this extreme of the extremes of the craziest characters, ideologies, and speeches, and all that stuff. And that was it. That was the identity of Metal Gear. Yeah. And once you remove that identity, no matter how good the core gameplay may be, you just got rid of something that was unique to the game industry and made it a better version of something that exists in all over the place. Yeah. And that's that's just what makes it sad for me. Yeah, that that was one of the things that I that I I think I said it in um one of our Metal Gear podcasts, but the thing that I've always loved and the thing that you can boil down for me for Metal Gear and the thing that I love the most is the fact that you have basically supervillains. You have these guys right. with special powers who can control fucking bees or read people's minds or have telekinetic powers or shoot fire and stuff like that. And you play as this guy with a gun. And he, and he he can beat those guys. That's one of the things I love about it. It's like you're you're going against these fantastical guys, and you're playing as a soldier with a gun, and you're able to beat them. And I'm just like, it, there's something about that whole. It's almost like a David and Goliath kind of thing. <laughs> and, it was, and it was one of those things where like he's going to make it out because of his ingenuity. He's going to make it out because of his backup, Otacon. You know, it, and it's 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 all that stuff. It's like you know, if you put James Bond in that situation, you know, had him go against like you know. Psychomantis. It's, it's it's the same. It's the same. It's the same deal. If it, you know, if you had a James Bond game where you played as James Bond with a gun and he had to fight supervillains, I would totally love that game. Probably, 
you know, and this, that's, that's one of the things I loved about it. But the, then the whole continuity and the, and the story and mm. how everything is combined together and intertwined, especially. Decades in the making, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's like, I was, ex- I was expecting so much from Metal Gear Solid Five because I wanted him, I wanted him to fucking link what's happening here to Metal Gear One on the NES, and uh, they they kind of did. I put, all right, actually, I, actually, they did. I don't want I don't want to spoil it for anybody who's listening to this, but the, here here's my here's my takeaway from that is that there is more linking and more story. In the the credit crawl, where it's showing the timeline, than it is in the entire game, because it's true. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm just like, really? I mean, you, you you're not going to show me a cutscene of this happening. You're instead just going to tell me in in the text crawl, you know, that happens in every Metal Gear game that had more that had more conjunction with the previous games than anything else in this game. This took place. And then there's the final mission. Yeah. Yep. That's left out. No, no, no. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about the final mission we got. Oh. The final mission. Oh, yeah. That was... Yep. That's a thing. (sighs) I saw that coming a mile away. Me too, but I've never seen a game do that before to the... Ah, did you like the first stage? Play it again. It's actually also the last stage. God damn it! There was no fucking need for that. Yeah, I don't know. We need to we need to back off because I know there's people's going to haven't finished the game yet, and I just I don't I don't know that that game is so fucking disappointing to me, and there's so many reasons why, and the fact that Kojima is leaving on that is a fucking travesty. I really hope Kojima keeps making games. That's what I really care about. I think he will. Like like we said, uh, I think somebody even wrote in a question for us on the last N4G that we did. Is like, what's Kojima probably going to do next? I could easily see him going to Kickstarter or something like that and saying, hey, I want to make a video game, and people are going to throw money at him. And, so let's and- say, let's say, hypothetically speaking, and this I can almost see to be something that happens. A year from now, right? Yeah. Kojima starts a Kickstarter. Right. Brand new reimagining of stealth espionage action. I don't brand new cast of characters. I, I don't think he, I need I need six million dollars. Would he be able to raise it? within the day. One day. One, one day. day. Yeah, absolutely. One one day and and hell he'll get it. But I tell you that's not what he's gonna do. What? I tell you the thing that if he goes and makes another game, mm-hmm. he will do either a well, he can't do a sequel to it. He'll do a spiritual successor to the Snatcher. I never played the original Snatcher. I totally want to. I have seen a playthrough of Snatcher. Mm-hmm. It's not my kind of game. I mean, I'm not a big adventure game guy. Oh, it's it's, uh, it's like a what is it choose your own adventure thing? Not really. Like? It, it kind of like a point and click a little okay. bit. Yeah, I mean, it, it's more of a yeah. He he did like a radio thing on it. Like he did like a weird like radio show. How about it. how about Police Knots? He also made that, right? He did make Police Knots as well, and from what I understand, Police Knots is kind of like that too, right? I think so. I never what I don't even know what systems they came out for. Is it like Sega CD or something? Sega or? CD or something like that. I can't remember. It was one of the CD based ones. It might have been like a Turbo CD. Turbo Graphics sixteen, maybe those. I heard that system was actually really good, but it was super expensive or something. Yeah. That was the SNK system, wasn't it? 
Uh, Turbo graphics? Might have been. I know how expensive the Neo Geo was. Yeah. <laughs> they thought they thought like a 700 console machine was going to sell. But they have King of Fighters. Yeah, just have your arcade. I mean, uh, I mean, you do literally just have the arcade at your home at that point, but that is a lot of money to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, actually, speaking of a lot of money to ask, the annex is gonna be announced soon, sooner than we think. Yeah. And like the specs and probably not the pricing, but at least the specs and the things they can do. Like, what do you think the annex ought to be, man? Like, we, you and I both have the Wii U, right? I have a Wii U. Yeah. So we know what they did last, and mm-hmm. we know like kind of the the problem with the Wii U was. Obviously, uh, you know, it was you know, it's, just, it's never one thing. But a big problem was the gamepad. Yeah. Right. And the design still of, is. Yeah. Still yeah. Is. That's that's one of the reasons why they can't reduce the price of it mm-hmm. uh, substantially to sell more uh, installed base and all that jazz. So the question is, what should the NX be? Should it be another box like the Xbox One, PS4, or should they just try to keep going for another gimmick of some kind that Nintendo is lovely, lovely to do? We talked about this a lot on the last N4G, uh, but and I and I'll say it here too. Uh-huh. Nintendo is in a bad spot right now because the, the rumors and speculations are that they're probably going to announce this thing this year or next year, and then also release it at the end of next year. That's a bad time frame to release that because the at that point the Xbox One and PlayStation Four have had a very very good foothold. In the market, um, and the Nintendo will be left kind of like the Wii U. Um, and it'll be left out to dry because it, it came at the halfway point. And the, I think, me personally, I think that the only way they can possibly salvage that is if they make the NX a system that is comparable to the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4. You need to make a game system with a standard controller, a standard control scheme, and decent online components. We don't need any more of this Nintendo... Not Nintendo Direct, but like this Nintendo Online shit that we've been seeing with the Wii and the Wii U. That is a fucking joke. Uh, Drew, how... You don't want to. You don't want to type in eighteen digits for my friend code anymore. What's the deal? Come no, on. no, it's, it's, it's fine. This is perfect. This yeah. is what you want. That's that's. I mean, that's one of the things. I mean, Nintendo has always been an innovator. They've always tried to be, and mm-hmm. I applaud them for that. I mean, they made bukus of money with the Wii, but like I said, lightning only strikes once. It doesn't strike twice. You got that money. You need to do something with it. The NX, the NX is not going to do good, period. I mean, that's that's just all there is to it. But if they want to do the best that they can, they need to make a standard system. What will end up happening there is that if they make something that is easy to port to, the third parties will develop for it. You know, you may see your Call of Duties on the Nintendo. You may see your Maddens and your, I don't know, your Mass Effects and stuff like that. And you need to have that in order to succeed. Because that's the thing. If Nintendo, before they came out with the Wii U, all right, if they didn't do the Wii U and they did a system that was like the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4 and released it around the same time, they would have been very successful because of, one, 
they have the killer apps. They have the killer IPs. You know, mm-hmm. they have Mario. They have Zelda. They have fucking Pokemon. It is it is still insane to me <laughs> that they have not released a full fledged Pokemon game on a console that would sell systems and it would sell the game like fucking hotcakes. Why they haven't done that is insane to me. It really doesn't make any sense, does it? No. Because, I mean, I understand Pokemon is your big portable killer app that everybody wants to play. Just imagine what you could do with a system. You know? I mean, mean, fucking people's been talking about it for years. Make the Pokemon MMO you've always wanted to do. You know? (laughs) I mean, that's, that's the thing. If you did that, people would fucking eat it up. Both kids and adults, now, especially nowadays. I mean, hell, I, I even grew up with with Pokemon in the generation. I didn't play them until later on, but I mean, you know, they came out in 1998. You know, I was 13. That that was you know prime time for me. You know, and and people my age and a little bit younger who are adults have jobs and are and, are, and still love Pokemon. They'll buy that fucking system. But that's beside the point. The NX from what the rumors are is it's going to be a half portable half console machine they're trying what? to be they're trying to be innovative again and it's going to it's going to destroy them again have you not heard that no i i have not heard that particular piece of rumor the rumor is is that it's basically going to be a a two in one kind of thing you're mm-hmm. going to get your 3ds type of of technology that you can take on the go and then you're going to have your port your 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 actual console that you hook up to the television so it's basically like you can your wii u you can take outside of your house that's rumors none of this is confirmed but that's just rumors that that what they're trying to work on um if they do that innovative crap again they're screwed that I mean, that's that's all there is to it. This will not sell. I mean, it will sell to the hardcore fans of Nintendo. I will not be buying one. Mm-hmm. I mean, that I mean, that's that's all there is to it. I mean, it's. But the thing about it, Drew, is that you said it yourself, right? If they were to release a console next year, the Xbox One and PS4 is going to have a death grip on the market of consoles. Yeah. For the type of stuff that they want, but you're suggesting that they basically do the same thing that they're doing. So what? What makes you think that doing the same thing that the Xbox One and PS4 are doing with the same comparable uh, hardware uh, power would sell it all? Because like you said, the other system would have the install base. They would already have the software lined up. So wouldn't it only be appropriate that they take a gamble on some kind of crazy innovative functionality that might hook either just the casuals or the hardcore players to tag along because they offer a a kind of like a playability or an experience that the other two services do not because even hooks like vr is coming to both xbox one and ps4 right because that was supposed to be something that might have been able to like cater towards more like you know ps4 had the morpheus which is called PlayStation VR and other stuff like that. So it just comes down to it. It doesn't make any sense either way. Yeah. Like making a new console just seems bad in general. It is. It's, it's a horrible thing. But the bad thing is the Wii U's dying. And that, that was what I was going to retaliate with was the fact that they've already tried that. You know, they, they did it with the Wii U. You know, but they, this it, was a bad idea. Well, right? the, the Wii U was a bad idea. And now they're going to yeah. do another bad idea. Uh, they might. I mean, yeah, you might consider the Wii a, a flash in the pan, 
But we also looked at the the 3DS or rat yeah 3DS the first time. We we're like, no, no, no. We also saw, we saw the DS and the said, DS. wow, two screens. This is stupid. And then it blew up and it sold like hotcakes to everywhere in the world. And then something like that. No one, no one else really did that. So I feel like that's Nintendo's thing. They go basically all out on these ideas that make no sense kind of when it comes out and sometimes it just sticks. So I feel like NX, I think they should go with the whole portable and home thing if they're going to do anything at all. If they, if they try to play it safe, they're just trying to bet against the house at this point and you, you never win betting safe against the house. You just the, the odds are stacked against you. It doesn't work that way. No, the, the the issue there is is that when they make something that goes all out crazy, mm-hmm. they're not going to get any type of third party support, which then results in just like the Wii U is now. The only fucking good games out for the Wii U are the ones made by first party developers, and I can count on my hands how many Wii U games that I actually want to own. You know, I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, you may have somebody buy your system, but you're not selling any type of fucking software for it. But that's, uh, that's specifically targeted to the Wii U. That's why I, I brought up the, the DS, right? Think about how many insane amount, like the DS and 3DS has like a crazy library of like amazingly good games, right? And that is obviously one solid and singular platform, third party. Like, like PS2 games and PS like like three games weren't coming to the 3DS or vice versa. They made games for this platform because the platform itself sold well. So it's like there's like there's like a balance to it. Yeah, the the Wii U was bad and it didn't get third party support because it didn't get the install base because it was a bad idea to begin with. But if your hook is hot, then it might get that install base. Like for example, the 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 DS only really started selling after the uh, no the 3DS really started selling after the massive price drop, right? Yeah. So things like that, there's a lot of these like dynamic elements to how or why things sell in the first place. So I think I'd rather see them I'd rather see them try a different idea, even if it fails. I think it's the only thing they know how to do at this point. The, the only thing I, th- I can say about that is that the, the 3DS, you, you could probably they, they can probably afford to do that with a, with a portable system, mm-hmm. but with a console, I mean that, that's a big loss if, it, if it's bad, you know and, and it, I don't think – I mean the, everybody says Nintendo's got a shit ton of money, and I believe that they do. But at the same time, I don't think they can risk that much money again. No, they, they can because the thing about Nintendo is that they refuse to lose money on consoles sold. They make money on every Wii U sold. P, uh, Sony loses money on every PS4 sold. They ha- they've lost money in every single console sold until like the PS3 Slim at one point. So they they're willing to make the investment to lose money on to get that install base to get the third party support. But the Nintendo's philosophy is opposite of that. They're never gonna sell anything where they don't even make a profit or they don't even at least break even. And that's why they aren't broke. That's why they're still so rich right now. That and also obviously the the portable market has been very good for them. So it's just. I don't know. It, it really determines to be seen, but I'm I'm really interested to see where Nintendo goes from here, especially with uh, Iwata's passing. I don't know what the big wigs are thinking at this point. I don't know either. I know that I, I can guarantee you that we will not see Zelda until the NX comes out. It will be a launch title for the NX. That seems to be the consensus nowadays. Um, it's I feel like it's probably gonna be a dual launch, like the the Twilight Princess for Wii, Wii and GameCube, right? Probably, but they're gonna use that definitely to pad to 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 push the sales of the the nx of course it 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 did it did its job for the wii as well obviously you know we saw how well the wii did 
But funny thing enough, I, I believe I like the GameCube version, the Twilight Princess better than the Yeah, version. because it actually plays good. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to use the dumb motion control stuff or uh, you just use your trusty analog stick. Yeah, I just I'm I can't wait for motion control to go away. Uh, me too, buddy. Me too. I don't want to play my games that way. And that's the thing is like uh, there's there's some great fucking games. But on, uh, on, the, on the Wii U, that like you know, Mario 3D World's amazing, mm-hmm. and like even, like I fucking love the uh, Hyrule Warriors. Did you play Bayonetta too? I'm not a big Bayonetta fan. Ah, oh, dude, it's, Bayonetta series so good. Though. I just I I'm not a big platinum. How do you guy. how do you how do you like Devil May Cry and not like Bayonetta? That doesn't even make any sense. I just didn't like it. I don't like platinum games. It's you don't weird. like you don't like games that star women. I get it. I understand. Yeah, right? that's it. You yeah. just you just you just made it very clear. So, in all you feminists out there, make sure you uh, it's Drew at ztgd.com. Um, so you know, go ahead and send those emails right over to him yeah. if you have any uh, issues. Take a, take a look at my Destiny character. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't know what your Destiny character looks like. It's it's a black woman. Okay. I mean, I, I, most of the characters that I make in my games are actually female. Mm-hmm. It is. My hawk, <laughs> my hawk was a female. But uh, it's, and okay. My, it's okay, Drew. It's okay. And my shepherd, so, my shepherd was a female. The truth is out there now, so it's, sure. uh, it's up. It's up to the people to interpret it as they see fit. Go ahead. But no, no, you know that's the thing. Is like, um, but the Wii U, it has it has some great games on it. It's just like, and every time I I play my Wii U, I said I wish I had a classic controller, because I can't stand that that the gamepad is horrible. It works pretty well for Fatal Frame. I'm, well, I'm sure it does because you're what, looking through it to take a picture, right? Yeah, it's like made for the made for the system. It's pretty hilarious. Yeah, but how many how many games are there that come out for that system that are made for that system? Yeah. Mm, that's a good question. Outside of the whole first party stuff, not too many, right? Well, not even the first party stuff. You don't need it for Mario 3D World. You don't really need it for for Zelda. You don't need it for I don't know Mario Kart. You know, those are the big games that they have for it. And I'm just like, what's the point of even having this? You know, like when I'm playing uh, Hyrule Warriors, I'm like, I wish I had a class controller. But 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 Drew, when you go to the bathroom, you can take the gamepad with you and play on that instead. Oh man, so innovative. <laughs> yeah, but you know they they banked on this idea. It didn't really. It's like I don't find myself in a situation where I can't play stuff on my own TV that I have to play on my gamepad. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there's a lot of situations if you have a bunch of kids or something like that that might be true. But uh, it's a neat idea, but it's just not as interesting or as dynamic as it needed to be. Because man, when the when the Wii came out, that was like the first one to really do motion controls. And oh yeah, speaking of motion controls, you were you're you're looking forward to motion controls dying down, but no, it's only gonna get stronger with the the influx of VR stuff. Yeah, every every little controller you're gonna see for VR is gonna be motion control based. The thing is, is that I have no faith in VR. <laughs> I th- I'm 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 almost certain that that's going to fail. Do you? Yeah. I will tell you what I believe is that the success of VR hinges. On how well it does for porn. I'm not even kidding. I I, I know. I truly I know. believe that to be true. That's the reason why Blue Air run. Yeah, that is also true. Yeah, was it uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean something with the? It's like porn, but it's not. It's like the first Blu-ray porn, I think. I have no idea. Yeah, but anyway, that one supposedly sold like a lot of copies, and Xbox maybe Microsoft should have 
<laughs> invested more in porn, I suppose. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know, but that's. But I mean, you you make a very good point. I mean, it's it's bad to say that, but I mean, it is a reality. Yeah. Um, and I have seen the gifts of that guy dry hum- dry humping that thing. I have not seen that GIF, and I you have to send it to me later because it sounds hilarious. There is a GIF of a guy at a fucking trade show wearing a VR <laughs> headset, and he has he has what looks like I don't know if it's a pillow or what, but he is fucking dry humping the shit out of that thing. And I need looks, to see this. It looks fucking ridiculous. <laughs> you thought you looked stupid playing motion control games. Yeah. See yourself playing VR. VR porn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> VR porn games. Oh, that is going to happen. I would totally be willing to play that. I want to see what it's like. See, my question is, my left eye is sort of legally blind. Okay. So would I be able to enjoy VR that way? So I'm kind of curious about that. Because I've never actually worn a VR headset yet. I should really go to one of those trade shows and try them on to see. But I'm sure some VR expert knows the answer to that question. I would love to know. Well... Because I certainly can't enjoy 3D stuff because my left eye is kind of blind. Well, yeah, don't don't. Word of advice: mm. if you're at work, don't Google search VR porn GIF because that's not going to help. No, it's not. It's not what I'm looking for. <laughs> no, I, I've got to find the specific one. Uh, <laughs> oh, you just you just search VR GIF porn, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's not good. No, that's not okay. I don't know what you might have expected, honestly. You when know, you search porn, like you don't even have to do anything porn related, and porn will pop up. But when you literally put the word porn, porn in there, yeah. you can't, you can't not expect it. This is very true. I, I just, um, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm so innocent. You are, you're a very innocent. I'm an innocent person. person. Yes. Yeah. Uh, fuck, I can't find it now. I, I'll find it later. <laughs> okay, that that sounds hilarious because. I mean, that guy was having a jolly time. Just, I'm sure he bought a VR headset the moment he got home. Oh yeah, because you can buy those now, right? Um, I'm pretty sure the Oculus you can get like a, it's almost like a dev kit. Uh-huh. Uh huh. version of it. Um, yeah, people have it. People have the Oculus. I know. Um. Damn it! Now I'm trying to find this, and it's fucking me up completely. Don't worry about it. Uh, you can you can maybe check through your history or something later. <laughs> sure, I'm sure I'm sure it exists and it's hilarious. It was tweeted a bunch of times. I figured you'd seen it by now. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I wasn't around that day. <laughs> Twitter, Twitter's crazy, man. Yes, it is. Did you see that GIF with the Drake video? I've seen that, tons of those. They're 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 getting crazier. I know. The, the internet is is a is a crazy wonderful and hateful place. It's it's but you know I, you know I'm happy to be a part of it. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, but uh, yeah, anything else uh, you want to bring up? No, no, I think I'm uh I think I'm done. I need to probably go to bed to be honest with you. Sounds good. You got an early day tomorrow? Uh yeah, I gotta be up at uh 5 a.m. Oh boy. But yeah, that's uh, that's it for us. I think we had a pretty good talk. I do believe so. Yeah, and it's saved this time, so we should be good. Ah, uh, you, you say that, but we'll see once we go off. That's true. But yeah, I appreciate everybody listening. If you'd like to send us an email, uh, I am Drew at ztgd.com. Um, we will hopefully be finishing The Evil Within next week. 
Uh, we will see though. And I don't know what the future holds because I don't think we're going to be doing the Witcher two, um, in November. I could be wrong. Um, but yeah. Oh Jesus. I found it. <laughs> you did? Oh, you uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, anyway. Yeah. Drew, we're still recording a podcast. I know, I know, here. we're still recording. Okay. But anyway, yeah, um, other than that, you can follow us all on Twitter. I am at DML Fury and Jay is at Batuside J. And uh the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. Uh, you can tweet to us there. I post all the uh episodes up on the uh on the podcast uh Twitter. And uh yeah, that's pretty much it. Jay, thanks for being on with me. Hey man, thanks for having me. Love love talking to you about random gaming and other stuff. So yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, we're gonna have to need you on for another game one day. Well, we'll we'll make it a special one. Yeah, we'll make it a special one. All right. But uh, anyway, uh, we're out of here. Uh, but until next week, I'm Drew. I'm Jay. And we're out of here. You guys have a great one, and uh, hopefully, be back next week with the Evil Within.